Get those nerds! Nerd! Nerd! Hello, everyone. This is the 2020 Geek Year in Review. We are so excited for this episode to drop every year. All these podcasters from around Central Illinois get together, and it is quite the legendary night as we sit in the front row, awaken our inner geeks, and you know what? I think you're going to like it, because this is the Geek Year in Review, and I can't wait to get it started. My name is Craig. I'm going to be your host and MC for this evening, and I'm joined by so many other podcasters from around the area. Uh, so many podcasters to shit. You can't shake a stick at them all uh, here on the Zoom window with me. I'm going to introduce my other partner in crime first, and that's Jeremy Geckner. We are going to be representing the Front Row Network. And you're probably thinking about, like, why? who is this guy that you're, you're listening to on this feed? Um, wh- wh- what's he doing yelling at me about this episode? Well, I am uh, here representing the Front Row Network along with my good friend and fellow co-host, Jeremy. How are you, sir? I'm good, man, because I am back with my favorite people Talking all things geek at the end of the year. This year has been very weird, very strange, but geekdom survived. We did get some geekdom out there, and uh, we're going to expand. We're going to expand the convo a little this year to, to include some other stuff because you know what? We need it. We need it, and geekdom survives. Pandemics cannot stop the kingdom of geek. That's right. That's right. You said geek 65 times in that. That's right. Uh, branding, kids. That is called branding. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> Speaking of branding, I see this guy's branding everywhere, all around the interwebs. Everywhere you look, you see the godfather of local podcasting here in Central Illinois, Mr. Jeremy Bailey from Lincoln's Legends. How are you, sir? You're very kind. Thank you. Um, I started a thing and you guys ran with it and uh, you guys inspire me every single day. Um, Just hanging out, just really happy to see you guys' faces. I mean, it's been a long year for everybody. I'm channeling my Darth Vader tonight because I'm a little under the weather. I apologize. But it's kind of hard to be too sick to be on a Zoom. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm just really pumped to be here. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mitch Ladd is representing the Geek Awakens. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Yeah, I'm super, super pumped to be here. Um, I do feel a little bit bad following Bailey because... Bailey always says how, you know, like honored he is to be in, you know, the presence of everybody else. And I, I can't follow that. I'm, That's why I'm, I'm I always ride, but I have to go that. behind Bailey. I just know that that puts you in an awkward position. And every year I make you do that. Mitch, I wouldn't have done this if you weren't on it. How's that sound? What's that? <laughs> I wouldn't have done this if you weren't on it because I miss your face. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I'll take that. There it is. And I want updates on Lincoln's Legends, and I want updates on Geek Awakens. But first, I want to introduce uh, some ladies to the podcast. This is the first year you're joining us, and your show began in 2020. I think you're going to like it, and uh, or I think you're going to like this. And I am so excited to introduce Jacqueline and Megan. How are you two doing? Good. We're very excited to be here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Super excited. So I think what we should do is we should, like when we're updating our uh, kind of what we were up to on our podcast this year, we should start with you two because you started a podcast in the middle of a pandemic. How was that? I think your first episode was in late March, right? Yeah, I think it was March 23rd, right, Jack? Somewhere in there? Yeah, 23rd or 26th, I think. Yeah, somewhere in that week. 
Um, I think we're pretty grateful for quarantine. It gave us a lot yeah. of time to get our fledgling podcast off the ground and figure out a bunch of stuff. Yeah, we figured out how to record remotely. That yes. was a time and a half. Because... By our second episode. Yeah. <laughs> but we got it. We're pros now. Yeah. So. Good. So you guys are pro-pandemic. That's good. That's, yeah. a, that's a hot take. Yeah. <laughs> Very hot take. That is, that is quite the position to take this year. Um, so congrats <laughs> on that. Uh, so when you're, can you tell us about your show and uh, what made you want to start a podcast? Hey, Jack, it was your idea. Why don't you tell them why we started this podcast? Well, we started it because Megan and I have very similar interests, but because of when we grew up, because she's, we have a little bit of an age gap, but not like a lot. Um, we have, we've figured out different things and seen and experienced different things, but we know that the other person's going to like them. And so she actually got me into listening to podcasts and things. And I was just listening to them. I'm like, this is a lot of fun. And so I asked her, I was like, hey, we should do a podcast. And she's like, I've been waiting forever for somebody to ask me to do a podcast. <laughs> and so it just kind of went from there. We just show each other things that we think everybody should know about. <laughs> so. And that's great. And you take kind of some different topics and you're able to look at that um, and try to convince each other, right? What they're yeah. going to end up liking. Yes. yes. Sometimes begrudgingly. And it's funny because yes. both of us are people pleasers. And so when we, we never don't like something, but when we don't like something as much as we think the other person thinks we should, it gets a little scary for us sometimes, yes. but we, we persevere through. <laughs> there's Absolutely. some reasons that some episodes are shorter than others yeah. <laughs> well i think it's funny because looking at your feed um you have these mini episodes which are just as long as your normal episodes i don't know i think we probably should explain to you what a mini episode is supposed to be uh <laughs> bailey has these things called like the the bailey bites or the lincoln's legends like mm. minutes or whatever he's calling them this week uh he's pretty good at this trimmed down version of his show so if you ever need advice on that you might want to go to him because uh, these mini episodes although they're great they are uh just as long as your other episodes so yeah. i wanted to make sure i pointed that out i had to give you a little bit of grief because usually that's all directed at mitch during these episodes so <laughs> it's become a little bit of a running joke that the many yeah. sometimes is even longer than the topic because we try in the main show episodes to stay as on topic as we can and so the mini has become our like place to talk about all the other things kind of related to the topic but sometimes not even close and there's yeah. just a topic way over here that we're going to talk about so. Ladies, if i may you have some beautiful bonus content and that's how you can categorize that <laughs> that's right see you you know um Mitch, I want to go to you next. Give us the update on the Geek Awakens. What have you all been up to? Uh, well, 2020 has been weird. Um, surprise, surprise. Uh, before I get too far into that, I do want to say real quick to Megan and Jacqueline, I've listened to a couple episodes of your podcast just to kind of get a feel for it and everything. And I got to say, it's a fantastic uh, concept. So Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, but anyway, so we celebrated our fifth anniversary this year. Uh, and so that's been a lot of fun. This shit's hard. That stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we ended up actually at the beginning of all this pandemic when we thought, oh, hey, this is just going to last like a, you know, a couple weeks or something like that. <laughs> we ended up taking a break uh, just because we're the other people in, you know, with the Geek Awakens and I like we're very much like we we 
do better like when we're all together you know so it was like we don't really want to do like a anything like zoom or whatever it'll be awkward but then we realized oh hey we 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 got to do this you know so it's been interesting coping with that and figuring out those kinds of things uh but yeah still chugging along uh super glad that we were at least able to go to c2e2 i know we tried to go to like at least a couple cons a year but we were at least able to do that so that's fun yeah, and that, that was right before things started to really close down. Was that in February or January, or when was that? Yeah, it, so C2E2 is normally in like late March, early April. But for whatever reason, this year it was, the, it was February 28th, 29th, and March 1st. And like the entire time, like we were griping months leading up to C2E2. It's like, we don't want to be in Chicago in the dead of winter. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be snowy, you know, whatever. But all things considered, like, super grateful that it happened then because, like, if C2E2 was even a week later, it would have been canceled. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Jeremy Bailey, want to go to you because I was so looking forward to the triumphant return of Lincoln's Legends. In fact, I went back and listened to our episode last year, and I noticed two things. He's not getting paid for this, guys. He's not getting paid. This is not a plug. Uh I, (laughs) I, 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 uh, I actually listened uh, to back to our episode and you had two insightful things I wanted to mention. First of all, you talked about mental health, like the entire episode and you kind of won 2020 without knowing it uh, yet. <laughs> and so that was good. And then two, um, you said you were going to return with Lincoln's legends and you are a man of your word. You have put out several episodes this year. So give us the update on where your show is at. And you're also on another show as well. So update us on that. Well, um, the only thing that I can do is work because um, my brain goes really, really fast. And uh, I always have the, well, first of all, ladies, like, thank you so much for venturing off people. I shouldn't say ladies. That's sexist. I'm sorry. Um, I respect <laughs> everything that you do. It's rad. Sorry, NPR. It's rad. Sorry, Jeremy. You're going to, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> it's rad that you jumped into it and you jumped into it uh, wholeheartedly and you just ran with it. That's absolutely beautiful. I wish that more people had that courage and it also takes perseverance to keep it going. So keep it up. It is awesome. Uh, second, Mitch, peanut butter and jealous that I didn't get to go to C2E2 with you guys, but um, even more like down that we couldn't have our like wizard world moments. Mm-hmm. So I'm like living vicariously through you guys and uh, it's just, it's awesome. Um, as far as the Lincoln's Legends production, um, I did say I was going to come back because I took a little bit of time off to um, figure out how to be the best husband, figure out how to be the best father. Still working on both. Um, really, the only thing that I can do in order to distract myself before the world was on fire, <laughs> the only thing I could do to distract myself from my own anxiety, from my own uh, insecurities is to make things and to create art. And uh, I got lost in it this year um, in a good way. And um, there's, I don't know, I'm really fortunate to be able to have an outlet because there's a lot of people that don't have that or haven't found it yet or haven't fallen in love with something. And um, I'm really excited. I've, I've done a lot of work that I'm proud of this year. Um, I expanded the idea of not only interviewing hometown heroes, but maybe people of interest that you have no idea who they are and you might have a unique perception of them. And I'd like to do my best to open your uh, scope a little bit. And that's what those Bailey bites were. Um, I borrowed heavily from uh, NPR and uh, they've been very, very, very kind to me um, and kind to you guys as well. 
And uh, the Bailey Bites are really just little segments like, hey, if I can ask you five questions in 20 minutes, I think, uh, I think it'd be a rad conversation. And the, uh, the full lengths, it's, uh, man, everybody had a curveball this year, but I had, uh, I had 12 episodes that were all, uh, all done. And, uh, that was in March. And then I went back through and heard them and the audio quality was absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, I recorded them at uh, Cafe Moxo and uh, William Vans because I love being on scene. But at this point in the production, I'm not going to listen to it if, if, what do I say? Um, I'm not going to make you listen to it or ask you to listen to it if I don't think it's a good, not only conversation, but also quality. And, uh, man, kind of got kicked in the, uh, in the face with the, uh, the audio quality. So I had to go backwards and ask a handful of people kindly, Hey, you know, I'm really sorry. I know that we can never recreate this moment again, but we can have new moments. And, uh, I don't know. It's rad. Like the Bailey bites, I always did them, but they were just like screener interviews. So now I'm putting the screener interviews out there knowing that there's going to be a full length later, but we just, we live in this time right now where everybody wants more and more and more and more and more. And my whole thing is like, how can I make it better than I found it? Like my, my motive rather. And if I can grab your attention for 15 minutes and it's a solid 15 minutes, then you know, you know, down the road, we're going to have an hour, hour and a half. But right now let's take care of what we can do and what we can control and just put as many of those out there. And, uh, you know, I'm just excited about it. So thank you for asking. Yeah. I mean, it's so great to be able to find those local connections and listen to these interesting stories of people um, living their lives, especially even during this year and like kind of grabbing some of that. I always think that those are such great pieces to be able to hold on to. Uh, and of course your geek thread uh, and Greek geek cred is there uh, throughout, which I love as well. And Jeremy, do you want to give the update on where we're at, what we've been up to over on the front row network? Yeah, nothing. Um, you know, we, we kind of just shut everything down this year and uh, decided <laughs> not to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was a nuts year. Um, you know, we, we kind of, uh, you know, we got scooped up by NPR Illinois and, uh, you know, it, that just opened a lot of doors and we've done about as many interviews um, as we've ever done. Um, you know, we're starting to get uh, a lot of legitimacy in that realm. And uh, it just kind of keeps snowballing, mostly thanks to Beyond the Mouse, your show on the Front Row Network. But, you know, we've added some shows too, which I was very happy about. Um, you know, we, we're all set to add Larry Smith, uh, who is a part of the network now, a great local comedian, um, to the network with a live show that he was going to do every week from a different spot. And you know, <laughs> that turned out to be a great plan. Uh, <laughs> I believe that was going to start in late it's March. His first live episode was planned for Anvil and the Forge the week that they had to close down. The week that everything <laughs> closed down. So um, we kind of had to reconfigure that. And uh, then he got the brand new show that he has convinced me um, on the network. Um, and uh, we added that one to our repertoire of shows. And uh, we've just been doing as many film and uh, we're starting to get into TV reviews a little bit more now. We added a video game component with uh, Super GG Radio. Um, they do uh, video game reviews every single week. Um, so it's been a busy year for the front row network. Um, and we are, we are branching out and we just keep trying to grow. If you're not growing, you're dying, I guess. I don't know. Um, but it's been a really good year and, uh, I'm ready to recap some geek now too, man. Oh man. Yes, Bailey. I really like have to brag about these dudes. Like, to be honest, um, they may have some inspiration from watching me like do things vicariously and saying, Hey, if he's doing it, I can do it, which is I, I, it's it's rad because it's not that hard to just grab it and go, but 
if you guys look back at what the front row did this year, I mean, even Larry Smith, which is just a regular dude, interviewed Dusty Slay, which has had comedy specials on Comedy Central, like a legit comedian. And he's like four or five episodes in. Um, Craig talked to Ariel from Disney. Yeah. So uh, in what world? I love having these conversations of in what world am I supposed to be in this room talking to this person? But Craig got to talk to, to Ariel. He got to talk to a director that did a Tom Hanks film. In what universe are we regular people supposed to be talking to the director of a Tom Hanks film? I mean, you guys have just taken the ball and ran with it. And it's just, it's awesome to see you guys thrive. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, it's been a fun year. It's been uh, bonkers here. And, um, you know, I had uh, one of those experiences uh, even today and, uh, by the time you're listening to this, I'd encourage people to go back and listen to our review of Soul. We're going to talk a little bit about it here in just a minute. But um, we were joined by Floyd Norman, who is a Disney legend and animator. He was the first black animator to be hired uh, full time at the studio on Sleeping Beauty. And he's been working ever since. Uh, and he has done so many, so many uh, different um, movies for Disney and Pixar and the man's 85 years old and just won't quit working, you know. Uh, and so it's cool because we've had those con- connections and we've been able to build those. And it's just been, uh, like you said, Jeremy, like a bonkers year uh, for us. So for sure. But enough about us, enough about our shows. You're here to talk about what went on this year in Geek. And so what we're going to do is divide this up into a couple of categories. We're going to talk about film, TVs. I'm going to let Mitch lead comics because I didn't read nearly enough this year. And then we're also going to want to talk about our podcast that we've been listening to as well, because I love that segment. I love to listen to what you're listening to because then I get ideas for when my hosts decide to take a week off because who takes a week off? I mean, really we're doing the work. Everybody's taking these weeks off at Christmas. I know the Geek Awakens is on your little hiatus, so I'm not trying to dog on you here. But everybody else is putting out content, okay? You know, uh, look, look at the time. I got, I got to go. <laughs> All right, let's get into our film category first. And I think we have to start, because this was such a weird year in film, I think we have to start with some of the more recent releases first. And I want to go to Wonder Woman 84. I know a lot of us got a chance to see it because it just came out on Christmas Day on HBO Max. And I think it would be extremely dumb of me to not ask the ladies what their opinion of Wonder <laughs> Woman 84 was prior to asking all the other dudes. So, Jacqueline, Megan, you have comments or thoughts on Wonder Woman 84. Do you want to go first, Jack? Sure. Um, I had a lot of interesting feelings about Wonder Woman 84. Um, my favorite part, which is going to be terrible, and the reason that you asked us to go first, but is because I got to look at Chris Pine's face. <laughs> <laughs> I told everybody, I was like, I'm just really excited to look at his face but, again. <laughs> I disagree. Did you, I do not feel but like But did you, though, in the, in the narrative of the film? But did you, though? <laughs> I did. I mean, all I saw was him. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Um, I really, really liked the very, very end, which I'm not going to talk a whole lot about until, you know. But um, it was interesting. I'm not sure whether I liked it. I think I liked the first one better, to be completely honest. Mm -hmm. This one was just kind of meh for me. Yeah, Megan? I completely agree with her 100%. I thought that the first Wonder Woman was incredible, especially I'm not a huge DC person, 
especially like I don't love the Zack Snyder movies. Um, I love Batman. Don't get me wrong. I'm that total like girl that's like, oh, I like Batman, but not really like comic book movies. However, I that totally changed when the MCU became a thing. Um, but I thought that the original, well, not the original, the Wonder Woman that came out a few years ago was incredible. And this one did not hold up at all. It was a lot of fun. I, like, enjoyed watching it. I thought it was entertaining, but I did not think it was in the same caliber as the first one at all. Yeah. It's almost like their marketing was like, you know, I understand too that they're in a bad spot because this was supposed to come out in the summer and then it's pushed and then it kept getting, this was the movie where they were like, maybe things will be okay by August and then they pushed (laughs) it back again and then they pushed it back again. And so I do think that there was a certain amount of hype that went into this Mm -hmm. as well um, because I agree with you too, the the first one is triumphant in what it does and Mm -hmm. it's cool that it's World War One, but I, I do think that maybe they would have been better served if their marketing was almost a little bit more toned down because it did set up those expectations that this was going to be that epic sequel to the first movie. And that just wasn't my impression of it. Uh, I'll go quickly. I I thought the movie was far too long. Uh, Mm -hmm. Two and a half hours for this runtime was rough. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, it, it had some weird moments, like starting with uh, American Ninja Warrior at the beginning and then going into like just 30 minutes straight of like, hey, by the way, this is the 80s. I didn't know if you knew that this was the 80s. Did you know we're taking place in the 80s? Did right. you know this is 1984? It's 84. I want to make sure everyone knows that this is the 80s. Okay, so then, but it's funny because then they never remarked on that. Like, that wasn't a through line. Like, it just was like, we need to establish that this is the 80s. And then from there, go our other directions. And then my last big gripe that kind of spoiled things for me, I actually really enjoyed Kristen Wiig a lot uh, as Cheetah. And I kind of hated that she was not the big bad. Uh, I could have used Pedro Pascal. He should just stay in that mask. Uh, and you know, just be my Mandalorian and stay out of this movie. Um, because I really think if you would have had Cheetah versus Wonder Woman as the true, like the ultimate fight, um, and the ultimate villain, I think that that could have been a better movie, but that's just my opinion. Um, Mitch, you got any thoughts on Wonder Woman 84? Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of echoing what a lot of people said, like it, it didn't live up to my, the hype that I had and I feel like a lot of people had set for it. Uh, Cause yeah, the, the first movie was just so, so, so good. And this movie was okay. I'd happily watch it again. Uh, but it just, it, I didn't end the movie with the same feeling that I ended the first one with. And I don't know how much of that was just because I was watching it at home and not completely immersed in, you know, the entire theater experience. I think that may have added some of some to it, but I think that there were still problems with the film itself. Kind of going back to what you had said, Craig, uh, one thing that I didn't even pick up on this until I was reading a review of it later. For a movie that was set in 1984, uh, I kind of wanted some 80s music, and we didn't get anything. Right. Yeah. Like, nothing. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's It was a good movie, but like, you know, also too, like, I get Diana you know, and Steve, like, I get that they had a very special connection in the first one, but this is 70 years later and she can't move on. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's got that quality of like, almost like that Titanic quality where at the end of the movie, the lady who's been married and has a family goes back to Jack 
who she knew for three days or whatever. Um, you know, so no, I totally, totally dig, like, I totally get that feeling. Also the fact that Steve Trevor, and this is kind of spoilery ish, but Steve Trevor had to, um, appear inside of another guy. Like you're doing this thing where people can get wishes and you're already like making this like a genie in the bottle moment. Why did you have to like, try to weirdly explain that he has to like go into someone else's being. And then at that point, like what happens to that dude? Because the outside world is still seeing that dude and like Wonder Woman and him, like they definitely hooked up, first of all. And like they're definitely like kissing all this stuff. And then the guy, like if she sees him at the end of the movie, again, sort of spoiler, like the guy that Chris Pine took over, and he doesn't know that that happened. I don't know. It's just kind of a weird, it's such a weird, like yeah. when you're thinking about like this kind of weird out of body experience. But uh, Jeremy Bailey, Thoughts? Have you had a chance to see it yet? I did, and uh, I'm gonna do a total 180 from from all y'all. Who is this movie for? Um, I HBO would... Max, clearly. <laughs> HBO Max. <laughs> Anybody? Bueller, Bueller. Who is this movie for? Anybody? Anybody? Go ahead. Parents and kids. This movie is to sell toys. She flew. Mm. First time ever. She flew. She jumped. She used the lasso. She did everything that an action hero does. The parents are watching. What do they want to see? A love story. That's it. Um, I think uh, Kristen Wiig, I, I, I didn't buy. This was She's All That, and I saw through it. Like I did not buy that she was going to be um, unattractive or weird or um, uh, socially awkward. Because I don't think that Kristen Wiig is unattractive. I think if you were to maybe do a little, um, do something that would make her a little further on the um, unattractive spectrum. I mean, I'm not going to say what is or what isn't, but maybe if she cosplayed a little better as someone that was unattractive instead of just like putting moose in her hair and taking her glasses off, like that's just like you are, you aren't. Um, and I really thought this was for, was for toys. Uh, I thought uh, Pedro Pascal whole time. I was like, that's Nathan Fillion. And I love every part of it. <laughs> um, he was the smarmy car salesman. That was just, I will be, I will be, I will be. And then the other, um, the other uh, uh, through line with the parents was the kid. The kids there the whole time pulling on his dad's heartstrings. And um I didn't like the fact that this made it okay to be a deadbeat dad um, because this yeah. dude like basically destroyed the entire planet and his kid's are like, I still love you dad. And he's telling his kid that he's a dirtbag. Everybody gets his wish. Everybody I, gets his wish except for his kid. That's it's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. I'm going to, I'm the head oh. of, um, who's that, who's that pharma place that uh, sold all the uh, oxycontin? Oh, yeah. Like that, those, the, that family is like, I killed hundreds of thousands of people, but I did it all for you. It's like, no, you didn't. Like you were just super selfish. <laughs> um, so that was like a really weird line. Um, and also I think that, uh, with this coming out and the time that it came out, they had enough time to work on this thing, to tell a message that they wanted to. And, uh, especially since the world's been on fire and we've been so, selfish and they're just trying to bring people together and and they're trying to push a narrative that everyone can believe in because with we learn with um 
a man of steel, that it's truth, justice, and all that jazz. It's no longer the American way. So Wonder Woman isn't an American character anymore. She's everyone's character. And um, I mean, especially going, you know, the movie opens with the little girl can do anything that she wants to, except she, the little girl can do anything if she wants to, except lie. So, I mean, I think it hit its audience. I think it's just for parents and for kids. And I'll leave you with this. What other sequel outplayed the first one and trilogies don't count? So they are already signed on for a third one. That one might be written for you. But right now, just look at it for what it is. It's to sell toys and to keep the kids, keep the parents occupied while the kids watching a two and a half hour movie about a lady flying around. <laughs> Jeremy, uh, before I get to you, uh, last, I, I do this. Is, I'm totally stealing this from Twitter to uh, not give this was not my own smartness, but um, Pedro Pascal, if somebody tweeted out, he played the best father and the worst father in the same year. And it was perfect. I, I like that. That was a great, great way to, to sum up his characters this year. Jeremy Geckner, what's your thoughts on Wonder Woman 84? And then we'll move on. Yeah, I'll try to be brief, but it's, um, I, I'm kind of with the Mitch camp. I'm just kind of like, yeah, it was fine. Um, you know, like I don't hate it. I don't love it. You know, like I, I think that it was entertaining enough. I do agree. I think it was a little too long, but I'm a complete 180 on, um, the Kristen Wiig, Pedro Pascal, like, uh, uh, spectrum here. I think Pedro Pascal is just so freaking charming as an actor that he just kind of naturally took over the narrative of the, of the movie. And, and, you know, like there's a, you know, when you have kids and stuff, you know, this like anything with a kid in danger in a movie ruin is ruined for you forever. So, you know, I see his kid in danger there at the end and I'm literally tearing up because I'm thinking about my own kid in that in that context. And, you know, I get it. But hey, and by the way, the kid's wish was to spend more time with his dad. So he did get his wish. All right. He got to spend that time with his dad. No, um, like When they're in the broadcast booth, he's looking at his dad in the TV. And he's going, Daddy, I want you here with me now. I'm wishing yes. you here with Which me you could say in a roundabout way just took longer to get there because he has to grant the wish, by the way. He has oh, to okay. hear it and grant it. I mean, that kid's diaper was full. My kid asked me once, I clean his diaper. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Well, and, I, and the, the problem I have with Kristen Wiig is that she becomes less interesting when she becomes the, the sexier version of herself, I find. You know, like I was I, – I like what they did because it's not – I didn't really take it as much as a, of a she's all that in terms of like, oh, she's ugly and now she's not as more like she's just compassionate. She's she's a, a nice person. And that is what's being lost. You know, she's losing her humanity. I, I thought that the way that they got her to the final cheetah form, I just didn't buy it. I, I felt like it was too easy and it was just kind of like a throw in just like, oh, yes, I want to be an apex predator. It's like. I don't know, man. You mentioned she's a zoologist once, you know, like maybe play that up just a little bit more, um, you know, just something that I don't know. She, she likes cheetahs or something. Um, Did but, they, you know, they like, pick up the butthole like cats. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to check that out, I guess. Um, but I don't know. I just I just thought that Pedro Pascal was very, very good in this. I thought Gal Gadot was very good in this. Um, and I'll say this for the score, too, by my boy Hans Zimmer. Um, that man should score every superhero's first flight from now until eternity. Because when you take the score from that sequence, also the score from the Man of Steel uh, soundtrack when he first is flying, I mean, Hans Zimmer should just score every superhero flight from now until the end of moviedom because it's just quite fantastic. But I thought it was fine, you know? I think it's okay. I think I would have liked it more in a theater with a bunch of people um, around, but um, that's the way it is. So I think it was okay. 
And I'm excited for ladies and gentlemen is Jeremy being brief. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and move on to now, obviously we spent a lot of time on Wonder Woman. Uh, We're, we like these geeky things and we just all saw it. And the other movie that a lot of us just saw was soul. And so I wanted to talk a bit about that. And then we'll kind of go through a lot of these other movies, uh, much more rapid succession. I'm sure I'm not going to say a lot about soul because I just spent an hour talking about it on another. Yeah, Your thoughts are coming, man. I would, uh, I would recommend going to the beyond the mouse uh, feed and checking out our full review of Soul. But I want to get some of your opinions. And uh, actually, Geckner, I'll start with you this time. Uh, your thoughts on Soul uh, briefly. Um, yeah, I liked it. Um, it was very, um, I agree with most of the takes that it's it's very adult. Uh, you know, it is kind of like the adult film uh, that Pixar's made that kids can enjoy, as opposed to the inverse that Pixar usually is. Um, you know, I don't know if I quite love it, love it. Um, I definitely appreciate the philosophy and what it's going for there. And it's definitely an amazing food for thought. Um, the animation is top notch. The voice work is top notch as always with Pixar, but, um, you know, it'd probably be a middle of the pack, uh, in the, in my Pixar rankings. Um, even though I really like what it's trying to say, um, and again, uh, you know, Tina Fey, anything she does. I mean, I thought she was just absolutely hilarious in this, um, especially her introduction, uh, that line, you know, I'm going to make you wish you never died. <laughs> the person was like, I think that's what everybody wishes. Um, so um, I just thought that it, I thought it was a good watch, though. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know how my three-year-old would do with it, though. <laughs> That's where I'm at, um, and that's uh, probably all I'll add uh, today is just to say that, you know, most Pixar movies are adult topics that are boiled down and being served to kids in a way that they can digest it and then they can talk about it and they can have those feelings. That's why I love Inside Out. Inside Out's one of my top five favorite movies. This film so much feels like almost like a midlife crisis for Pixar uh, because it is really more geared towards adults, uh, and I don't know. I, my five-year-old hasn't seen it yet um and i don't know if we would set him down to watch it necessarily at least not for a while um at least that's my experience with it i know that uh jacqueline and megan you guys are into disney just about as much as i am we'll go to megan first thoughts on soul um i thought it was a lot of fun it combines two of jacqueline and my favorite things which are jazz music and cats um (laughs) so I I liked it. It's not one I would reach for over and over again, but I thought that it was fun. All right, Jacqueline. I actually like really, really, really liked it a lot. Um, I'll probably watch it again. My mom right. and my little brother have been waiting to watch it, and I didn't get to watch it with them, so I'll probably watch it with them as soon as I can. But I really, really enjoyed it a lot, mostly because I connected with it a lot um I actually majored in jazz my first two years in college so like I had this whole thing going on (laughs) I was like this is a little too weird and too real for me and I don't like that (laughs) um but it got it got better and it I just I really really liked it a lot I cried a little bit um which is not unheard of for me (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it still has those emotional chords. That's for sure. Uh, and Just that, that sit down at the piano sequence. That's all I'll say. Yeah. That, that um, got me hard. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 100%. Music, um, you know, you're combining John Batiste and his jazz and you're then taking Trent Reznor uh, and you're, you're making that combine into this amazing music throughout mm-hmm. the score is amazing. Um it, just fantastic. Uh, so, so well done there. Uh, I love the film. It's just, again, it's 
Man, it is an adult topic, that's for sure, when you're taking on the afterlife uh, in an animated film. But yeah. anybody else see Soul? Uh, I think we can probably go ahead and move on from there. Mitch, you've seen it, right? Okay, yeah, Mitch, your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I expected to ugly cry for, during this movie, and while I didn't, uh, it was still very emotional. It still, it still got me in my feels. Um, yeah, I just, I, I loved this movie, and I loved how like it dealt with topics and thoughts and feelings that really at some point in time everybody goes through yeah absolutely and that's what pixar's really good at right uh and so those were kind of the the newer releases other than tenant but because we are on pixar i had onward on the list so i'm going to jump around a little bit and onward was actually the last show that i saw it was the last movie i saw in the theaters it was in march right before everything started to shut down and i'm glad that i did because um i really enjoyed onward and especially talking about like a geek film uh disney and pixar haven't necessarily dove so far deep into that well before uh and then they did onward and onward was based Basically, like all those people that love Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, like this is your Pixar movie and uh, directed by Dan Scanlon. And he actually uh, I found out that uh, it's so much related to his life because his dad passed away at a very young when he was at a very young age. Uh, and so his brother really helped raise him. So it's really cool to get that backstory uh, behind Onward. I absolutely loved that film and would highly suggest that you go check it out. It's available on Disney Plus. Um, but I know that there's some others in here that have also seen it as well and mitch since i omitted you last time i'm going to start with you this time oh uh, you know f disney and f pixar for making me ugly cry the <laughs> worst i've ever ugly cried in a movie in the first 15 minutes uh, <laughs> onward was probably the and it, it was probably the favorite movie that i saw this year uh such a good story and message and voice cast uh, it had a great balance of humor and heart and, you know, like it, the, the two characters, uh, Ian and Barley, I mean, they remind me a lot of my brother and I, you know, we're very different people uh, and we were even more different growing up. Uh, so to kind of see that dynamic and be able to translate that to real life as well is just kind of like, yeah. I, I'm starting to tear up right now just talking about it. <laughs> you know, as soon as he, he starts checking off that list, and you're like, oh, no, they're going to go here. They're going to say, uh, spoiler, it's, it's been out since March. I can spoil this one. They're going to say the brother, they're going to say the brother is the dad. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no, this is going to get me. <laughs> so it was, it was rough news there. Uh, Jacqueline, your thoughts on Onward? Oh, I loved Onward. I actually had an interesting experience watching it because we actually, I had a, zoom facebook whatever call with all my friends for my birthday to watch onward and so i actually got to watch it with megan i got to watch it with a couple of our other friends and my little brother was snuggled up next to me when we watched it and i think we all cried at least a little bit um even my nine-year-old brother cried um but it's i loved it so much i've watched it several times since then it's yeah as much as it makes me cry it's awesome Geckner, your thoughts on it? You're a, you know, you've, you are uh, fathering two sons now. Yeah, that, that didn't get me right in the feels at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, but honestly, what sticks out most to me, aside from all the emotional stuff you guys talked about, is just fantastic voice work here from Holland and Chris Pratt. Um, Chris Pratt especially is 
so darn good in, in this film. Um, and I just really, really loved what he brought to this. So yeah, one of my favorites of the year too. Awesome. Megan, your thoughts. I was so excited for this and so sad that like right when it came out, the pandemic hit because I sold my husband will go see anything with me, but I sold this one to him as Disney is doing a D&D movie and my husband plays <laughs> D&D every week. So it's like, you have to go see this. It is like literally a D&D campaign animated. Um, so we watched it for Jacqueline's birthday, but I think it's amazing. I would highly recommend it to anybody who is the geek realm at all, because you have the D and D stuff. You have the MCU represented with baby spider and Chris Pratt. I mean, there's just so many things. Plus it has such a good heartwarming message. And I, I just thought it was incredible. It was, it was such a good movie. I, it was like a, it was a real feel good movie and a sneaky too, because I didn't know if it was going to have that Pixar turn towards the end. And then it certainly did. Um, but leading up to that, it was just a fun quest movie, you know, and then they hit you in the feels like they're, uh, like they're always doing over there at Pixar. Um, I think we're going to go ahead and move on to our next film, um, which we'll go ahead and stick with Disney here. This was a premier access film, and I don't know that many people have gotten a chance to see it, but it is now released on Disney Plus, and that's Mulan. Uh, not to continue to plug my Disney show. We're not going to talk Disney all night long, so I won't be plugging it all that often, but we did do a full disclosure review of um, Mulan when it came out way back in September. We we spent the 30 bucks and watched it. I really enjoyed the film. I will say that uh, I wish I would have had a little bit more character development and plot development. I get that it was made off of the animated film, but that film does not stop. If you like action or war films, Mulan is for you because it is basically, um, it has a lot of the same kind of aspects as like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon. I mean, like the fight choreography is incredible. Um, and just overall, I really did enjoy that film. I, it was not one of my favorite remakes that they've made. And that's mainly because I wish I would have gotten more out of the characterizations and out of that story development than I did. Um, but has anybody else seen Milan? I, I don't think that I saw that on the list. All right. You all should go see it. It's worth seeing for sure. Next film comes to mind, uh, and I'm confused, and I haven't even, like, I, I haven't even, you know, seen it yet, but people just keep telling me I'm not smart enough to figure out what Tenant is. So, Mitch, can you tell me what's going on in this Tenant film, this Christopher Nolan film? Uh, here are literally all the notes that I have for Tenant. Cool effects, but I have no idea what I watched. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did hear, so I did hear that the uh, main character's name is just protagonist. Is that right? I, you know, I think going back to it, yeah, I don't, I don't remember his name, so that makes sense. It, it, that is probably one of the most pretentious filming filmmaking decisions <laughs> I've heard in a long time. To just call your this is protagonist. That's his name. Um, did anybody else get a chance to see Tenet? It is available on video on demand now. You can go and check it out. Uh, I think sometime it might be on HBO Max, but Christopher Nolan's had some very interesting comments about Warner Brothers recently. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't think they're going to let him in, man. <laughs> I mean, who knows about that relationship? Like Warner Brothers 
Brothers really has kind of, in a sense, made and propped up Christopher Nolan. And for those of you that don't know, he said his quote was something like, um, many directors, this is when they announced the deal to uh, do HBO Max on the same day as a theatrical release for their slate of films next year. He said something to the effect of, many of us went to bed working for a world-class studio and woke up working for a low-class streamer. And it's like, holy moly, Chris Nolan, uh, back your horse up here, buddy. So uh, it really, it like, I haven't seen Tenant, but all the reviews from it uh, don't make me want to go see it. And kind of the way that... Uh, the way that Nolan is acting about this, he's very cavalier about the pandemic. He thought that his film was going to be the film to save all of movie going forever. And it didn't. Uh, And so I think that me being someone that's maybe more locked down than a lot of people have been this year, um, just in comfort level and everything else, it, it irks me when people are like, Oh yeah, people should go back to the movies right now. Cause probably we shouldn't go back to the movie theater right now. You know, so um, so again, that's my gripe on Christopher Nolan. But did anybody else see Tenet or we can move on? All right. Uh, we'll just be confused as everybody else. <laughs> I also want to go to Mitch because you saw a video game movie this year and people seem to really enjoy that Sonic the Hedgehog. Tell me about it. Yeah, Sonic, a.k.a. the only movie that I saw in the theaters in 2020. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty good one. <laughs> um you know, I, I didn't go into the movie with a whole ton of expectations. Uh, Sonic has been one of my favorite characters since I was a kid. So, like, I was going to see this movie, even after the trash of a first trailer that they released way back when. <laughs> uh, but I enjoyed myself. Like, the, the story was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, they still could have used Jaleel White as Sonic as opposed to uh, Ben Schwartz. But, you know, hey, that it is what it is. Ben did a good job. It's just... Julia White is Sonic to me. Uh, I literally squealed during the post-credits scene, and I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a spoiler at this point. But hey, whatever. But like when we see Tails, like I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, you know. So like, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can't wait to check it out, and I know that they greenlit a sequel, right? So moving forward with that Sonic franchise that everybody loved, and you know, um, that was a it had a really interesting story behind it, right? Because that's one of the times where fans really affected a film, and uh, they re- they released Sonic first, the graphic, the image of Sonic, and I think even a trailer, and people lambasted how Sonic looked. So they actually went back rightfully so millions of dollars to. <laughs> redo the design of Sonic. And honestly, I don't know how I feel about that. And maybe Bailey, I want to get your opinions on that. Like fans having this kind of interaction with things, we see this with like the Snyder cut being announced this year and things like that. What are you comfortable with that level of like fans can change what they want and and get what they want out of that? Who is it for? I guess it's for the fans. It's not your your art. It's, it's not fun, but if you are, in my humble opinion, if if you create something that hits, it strikes a chord with somebody. What's the difference between this? What is the difference between Sonic redesigning everything, or someone playing a state fair playing the exact same song that they got famous on twenty years ago? 
if you make art that other people enjoy, that touch other people, I mean, I think everybody in this thread right now has a deep passion for something and something has essentially changed their life. And if you get to be a part of that, then doesn't it make you love that art even more? So, I mean, it's, um, there's a difficult part of doing business. It's, I mean, a, a couple of us are Kevin Smith fans and that's one of the reasons why he makes all of his stuff by himself. Cause he doesn't have to answer to a studio, but answering to a studio and answering to your audience are two completely different things. Um, I mean, if you're at a point where you can do it and you can go backwards, I mean, not everybody gets that chance, but the fact that they did will make those diehard fans pre-order tickets the day before, you know, whatever they, they announced tales and, Boom, I guarantee every single person that was impacted by Sonic and went to the first movie is going to go to the second one and they might even buy it. And right now, I think people need that more than ever because they need that comfort food. They need something that's going to uh, brighten their day. And um, man, if you get to do that for people, it's beautiful. And if you got to change three things and maybe, man, there maybe there's there's happy accidents. I mean, what if all the animators are like, I really wanted to do this, but we didn't have time. I really wanted to do this, but we didn't have the budget. And then when someone looks at it and says, it's not quite what I wanted. I mean, again, they use vowel words and you know things like that. But if, if you look at it and, and maybe the artist got to go back and say, man, I really wanted to articulate it with this and I wanted to make it look like that. And I didn't get a chance to see it, but um, I, I, I want to, because I'm a huge fan of John Ralphio. I'm his, his boy or his name, the real name's, um, escaped my mind. But, uh, I mean, we all grew up on that, like Robotnik, Sonic. He was the Mario of Sega. Like that is a deep, deep cut. And, uh, it's exciting to know that we live in a world that you can fix it. I mean, you, you kind of owe it to him. If it, if you change our life, I mean, what else are you working on the Dreamcast? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Before we go, uh, we've been spending a lot of time on movies. We got a lot more to cover. So uh, I want to go into more of a rapid fire. But before we do, I did want to mention the other comic book movie uh, that came out. Now, New Mutants did come out kind of <laughs> here as well. But uh, the other one uh, of consequence, as my co-host would say, that came out is uh, Birds of Prey. And that has a very long title that I can't remember. Something about Harlequin. Would you uh, like me to recite it for you? Yes, go ahead. Birds of Prey or the fantabulous emancipation of one miss harley quinn nice nice and i know jacqueline and jeremy have seen it so jacqueline i'm gonna go to you first on this one um i'm gonna preface for those of you who haven't listened to this episode of our podcast um i love harley quinn with my whole entire heart i have for a very very long time so i was very excited for this movie i knew it was also going to make me a little bit upset because i would like things to be done very specifically for my lovely harley quinn um but i still really really liked it i had to kind of separate it from some of the ideas that i have and the comic parts that i have read and all that kind of stuff but i did enjoy it a lot um, there were several times that I was like, yes, I've been waiting for that. Um, Megan was in the theater with me and I was like hitting her and telling her when things were good. And when I was like, mm, don't like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it it's definitely fun. And I love the whole, you know, girl power, everything that it has. I love it a lot. Um, but also they're just all a hot mess. <laughs> but nice. It somehow works. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is one of those. I just haven't had a chance to see it, but I know it's also on HBO Max, so I need to check yes. it out. But Jeremy, tell me about uh, your experience with Birds of Prey. 
Yeah, there's um, in the pantheon of uh, actors who are meant to play certain parts in live action. Uh, Margot Robbie is meant to play Harley Quinn mm-hmm. um, and has pretty solidified that. Um, I am really anxious to see what James Gunn's Suicide Squad is going to be um, after seeing what they were up to here with this one. Because I'm told there's a, a bit of an influence that's going to happen on that film and, and how James Gunn's approaching it. But, yeah, this was just a lot of fun. You're right, uh, Jacqueline. It's just like... It, it's messed up. It's it's like being inside Harley Quinn's brain, and you know, like the, the way that they did the editing and stuff. It's very. Um, it, it, it reminded me of Scott Pilgrim a little bit, just mm-hmm. in the way that they were doing like all these visual tricks and stuff to help bring you along. Um, and I really liked Ewan McGregor's uh, Roman Sionis. I thought that was a really good uh, turn there. <laughs> he yeah. was just he was just the right amount of really sadistically crazy to make you scared of him, but also make sense in this world that we're populating. Yeah. So I really recommend it, you know, like I think of the comic book movies that came out this year, all three of them. Um, this is uh, this is my favorite, I think. Nice, nice. I'll have to go back and check it out for sure. So to get out of, us out of the movies, what I want to do is just do a quick rapid fire of your favorite film that you saw this year, uh, if we haven't mentioned it already. Um, and I'll go first with that and keeping my tradition of going to a geek podcast and not talking about a geek movie being my favorite movie of the year because last year Knives Out was my favorite film of the year and honestly Knives Out could probably be my favorite film of the year again because (laughs) I did watch it several times uh, and I absolutely love that film so thank you for that film Ryan Johnson and not don't thank you so much for The Last Jedi all of his movies all of his movies rapid fire uh, and my favorite film of the year uh, is my boy Aaron Sorkin and the trial of the Chicago seven. If you've not had a chance to check that out on Netflix, it will be nominated for best picture. There will be a lot of Oscar buzz around this film. It's uh, it talks about the events of the 1968 democratic convention. And it's so crazy how much the world in terms of strife and things that are going on today, uh, how much that was in a slightly different context going on in the 1960s as well. 1968 is one of those years, much like 2020 is probably going to end up being where people are going to study this in like history classes because of how crazy this year was. So that's my favorite film, Trial of Chicago 7. Go check it out. Um, Bailey, I'll go to you next. Do you have a favorite film for the year? Off of this list, or like any of them. Well, I have to preface this by saying that uh, my entire world has been a two and a half year old. So Uh we have watched all of Disney eight times. Um, You know what? I'll say, man, it's going to be. I have to reference this list because it's a an overall. um, uh, the, The whole family enjoyed it, and that was Hamilton. So it's, yeah, I mean, we were in love with the soundtrack. We all sat as a family minus the little kid and watched it. And then he even watched the, uh, the clips, people singing. And then we even went back and Disney has, is it Disney or no, yeah. I'm in a loop. What's that? Who knows what streamers which? That was no, yeah, I, think, I, I don't know if it's on Disney or if it's on Netflix, but there's a behind the scenes where they just talk about um, how one of the songs was written. And uh, yeah, that song exploder on Netflix. It's a great that, episode. Yeah, that. Thank you. I appreciate. It. Yeah, no. And, and again, I'm, I'm in a I'm in a loop of uh, two and a half year old content, <laughs> like the only stuff that you can watch. <laughs> and um, we've been really trying to uh, experience as much Broadway as we can. 
Uh, and since, you know, we can't, we can only see the things virtually, um, he'll look at a, you know, for Frozen. And I'm like, I'm, we're not watching Frozen, but we're going to watch a Broadway clip of the people singing because I would much rather you see all of the passion that people put into singing this stuff. And I can't show them all of Hamilton, but it was definitely a family event. So I will, I'm sorry for the, the long answer, but, uh, yeah, definitely Hamilton. Awesome. Uh, Jacqueline, what's your favorite film of the year? I think I'm going to have to go with Onward. Okay, I know. good. I just, just so we already great. covered it. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Megan, what's your favorite film of the year? Uh, I'm going to stick with Disney, and I'm going to say Godmothered. It's adorable. It's fluffy, It, but it still has a really good meaning, and it was perfect for this year. I just really, really appreciated it. I was going to say I have to turn over my Disney card to you two because I have not yet seen it. And I know it's on the top of the Disney Plus thing, but I have a lot of holiday movies I had to get through. I have to watch my, my Christmas movies every year. And so it's a, it's a tough time to watch new films, but I'm looking forward to watching that one for sure. Mitch, favorite f- film of the year? Uh, real quick, uh, to echo you though, Craig, like Knives That was one of the movies that I watched in quarantine. And yes, phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. So good. But my yes, my favorite film of the movie or of the year, uh, even though it made me ugly, ugly cry multiple times, was Onward. All right, Onward winning the. I guess that makes sense because we are a bunch of geeks here, so totally makes sense. Geckner, favorite movie? Yeah, uh, Bailey took mine. Hamilton, um, it just it completely captured everything that I wanted to about it. So, uh, real quick, it was a great year in horror films. So I'll just list a couple here without saying anything about them, but those that you should catch up on. Um, host on Shutter was really, really fun and original. The Invisible Man with uh, <laughs> with uh, Elizabeth Moss is insanely good, um, like Oscar worthy good. I'm hoping she gets some recognition this year. Um, there was uh, Underwater with Kristen Stewart. It was actually a really, really cool, uh, interesting concept. And um, who did it? Amazon did this uh, four set uh, called uh, Welcome to the Bloom House that happened in October that were really, really great. Um, all of them were really good, but my favorite was Nocturne, uh, which is just what happens when um, siblings going after music scholarships goes very, very wrong. And it's just one of the most surreal, most creepy endings I think I've ever seen in a film. So those would be my horror film selections for the year. Nice. So we're moving on from film into TV and we have quite the list for TV as well. So I think we'll have to maybe use some brevity when we talk about some of these, but we have to start again. I'm your Disney guy. You told me I can host. We have to start with the Mandalorian <laughs> season two. Gotta and, get those um, Disney bucks, man. <laughs> I, Disney bucks. You know, people say I'm a shill for Disney and I'm waiting for that check. I really am. But it's almost like I would rather not get the check and just watch Pedro Pascal carry around <laughs> Groku because we did finally learn his name. He's not Baby Yoda. People stop saying that. He never was a Baby Yoda. He is Groku. He is the child. And you know what? I need to go to Jeremy Bailey first on this because I know your love for Star Wars. And he's going to tell me he hasn't seen The Mandalorian yet or something, aren't you? It's uh, my favorite. It had to be that Bill Burr down there. Um, <laughs> Mandalorian. Taking the shots. Um, I have to ask you, though, could it have been five? Could it have been five really strong episodes? Uh, instead of eight, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, I would say I would say more so last year in season one. I had some down episodes, but in season two, they really kind of brought it. I mean, they you got Ahsoka, you got um, that wonderful Bill Burr episode where he delivers this amazing monologue about PTSD, like in the middle of a Star Wars show. You know, like um, 
I don't know that there was a lot of fat to trim out of this season. I I disagree. I think there could have been five. I could think it could have been like five really strong episodes. Um, and um, no spoiler. Well, I guess we can do this because it's spoiler alert. But um, I would really much prefer. Man, I can't articulate today. I'm really sorry. I don't feel well. Um, but I would I would rather see. Um, God, my brain is busted. Jeremy Geckner, Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier. Sebastian Stan. I would much rather see Sebastian Stan than some CGI. Just pull the cloak out and like, hey, we're going to do this. And and that's, yeah, because I, I could have done with it. it. It was beautifully shot, beautifully done from an effect standpoint. Um, they're trailblazing. Like that's where everything is going. So I loved it, but I thought it could have been five. Um, and the FET, like, whoa, the year of the FET, that's going to be nuts. So I hope that's my short answer. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, I just want to call out, by the way, that Geckner just sent me a private message and said that he's only on season one, episode five of The Mandalorian. What? <laughs> like, how, how is that possible? Anyway, he's on mute right now, so he's not listening to us. So we can make fun of Jeremy all we want. So Jeremy is the worst He's I feel so really bad because no. I, I had no idea. I really hope I didn't ruin anything. <laughs> no, he was on mute that whole time. He's still <laughs> on mute now. Look, he's clueless as he's watching us here. So, uh, no. Um, anybody else want to talk Mando before we let Jeremy back into the group here? Mitch Ladd. Yeah. So, okay. First off, I'm sorry, but much like the Sears Tower is always going to be the Sears Tower, Baby Yoda is always going to be Baby Yoda. Oh, man. Okay. All right. <laughs> But uh, all things aside, though, like I loved season two. Um, I felt that season one was a good season. And then season two just kind of like built off of that. Uh, I am kind of interested, though, to see like if season three, if we see less of Baby Yoda, how that's going to affect, you know, because let's be honest, like he is like the breakout character of a show and he's not the title character. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how this series progresses with a less presence or even a no presence from them. <coughs> Absolutely. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see where the story can go from here and all the connected universe. They just announced a billion projects for Lucasfilm. So uh, I think I can let Jeremy back in because have you two seen it, Megan, Jacqueline? I've seen it. I don't really have a lot to say about it. My husband's a huge fan of Star Wars and The Mandalorian. We watched it together. Um, I was very appreciative of the Ming-Na Wen that we got because I Uh love me some Agent Melinda May. So I was very excited to see her. She's the only person to be really in all three of those worlds. She's a Disney princess. She is in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, of course, now she's in The Mandalorian. So she walks. uh, She is like Disney royalty through and through uh, for sure. So uh, it was great, great season of The Mandalorian this year. I did want to touch on going back to something that was actually released in 2019 because none of us had seen Watchmen to the uh, point where we started to record this podcast. Watchmen became a phenomenon, uh, especially – with kind of the social unrest that we were dealing with in the summer and still dealing with, of course, all of the time now. But Watchmen was one of those shows I wanted to comment on because it was one that I had seen maybe the first two episodes when we sat down and recorded uh, last year. And uh, it just was so good. It was so great at taking the source material and moving it from uh, basically the Red Scare, communism, uh, 
Cold War aspects of the original book and then taking that and saying, what is today's boogeyman and what are we dealing with as a society? And that's institutional racism. And so they took that and really brought it into its own. Uh, it was just a fantastic show. Damon Lindelof did such a great job with that. And I'm glad that it's only one season because it seemed like it, it really gave what we needed out of that story. And I think it could be a cool anthology. And, and um, anthology, woo, anthology film. If we wanted to see like other seasons and other people take a crack at it, but this was a perfect one season thing. Did anybody else get a chance to watch or finish the Mandalorian or <laughs> the Mandalorian Watchmen this year? No. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and move on to. Uh, we'll talk Harley Quinn next because Jacqueline apparently is super into Harley Quinn, and so am I. I love that I caught caught Damn. up on that series. <laughs> It's yeah. so so good, right? Or are you going to tell me you don't like it? I, I should I, like that first. <laughs> yeah, you're, I, the, you're the fanatic here. <laughs> I loved it. Um, I was actually really mad because it was on HBO Max, and I have, like, Roku TV and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I need to watch Harley Quinn. And there's so many things. And so the day that they came to their agreement, and it was on Roku, I texted Megan. I was like, I have to stop watching all of my Hallmark Christmas movies because I need to watch really quick. <laughs> and I finished the whole series in less than 24 hours. I'll tell you what, that's, I kind of had not, not the whole HBO Max thing, but I kind of had a similar experience in that when I started watching it, I just could not stop. There were yeah. 22 minute episodes and it's like the best parts of uh, Batman, the animated series, but for adults. Yes. So good. It's, so it's good. awesome. <laughs> So uh, I know, Mitch, you've seen it, right? I'm about halfway through the second season. I had watched the first couple episodes of season one and then just mm. I forgot to keep up with it. And we actually, I sat in it on, on a panel at C2E2 and saw the second season premiere. And so I was kind of lost, but I was like, but still enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, but I spent like last week trying to get caught up. And man, like, you know, like, Harley Quinn is not my favorite DC character. I don't hate her, but she's just, she doesn't really do it for me. But man, this series is just so fun. Uh, definitely not for kids, like at all. Um, I love the voice cast. When I realized that Ron Funches is King Shark, like I just like, I got so giddy. <laughs> He's like, so great. He is I love so Ron great. Funches. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so much fun. It's, it's 10 times better than I thought it was ever going to be. Oh, it's so good. If you have not had a chance to see it, you need to go and check it out. Geckner, you had thoughts on it? Oh, yeah. Um, what I said about Margot Robbie live action, Kaylee Cuoco. Holy crap, man. She's yeah. the, the voice she uses here, especially whenever she yells anything in the series. is <laughs> just so fantastic. I just want like clip, like a clip show of just her yelling in this series. But, um, but yeah, the voice acting is so good. And you already called out King Shark. Every line he says, you want to talk about also a guy who yells things in a great way. <laughs> um, every time he yells something, I just rewind it because it cracks me up. Um, my but man, Tony, my man. And Alan Tudyk as Clayton. Oh my god! Oh, oh no! But I, I mean, Tony Hale as well as uh, as uh, Doctor Psycho is absolutely hilarious. Um, Diedrich Bonhoeffer as Batman. The limited times he's in there, he's absolutely hilarious. Um, but I, I'm really blanking on on uh, the guy who, who voices him. But how did, how in the hell did a series get me to really like Kite Man? Um, that is just like. <laughs> He is so fantastic in this. And like by the end of the second season, I'm just like, oh man, I, I really like Kite Man. But poor Kite Man. No, he poor Kite Man. The shit kicked out of him so much. 
<laughs> but it's, it's so great. Man. It's just like all the through lines are great in this. Um, I cannot wait for more seasons of this. It is the most enjoyable show I watched all year. It's such a strong recommend for me. You need mm-hmm. to go out and check out Harley Quinn, not with your kids in the room. It is no. so mature. Uh, but go and check out Harley Quinn on HBO Max. It's uh, Matt Oberg, by the way, the actor who plays Kite Man. Matt Oberg. <laughs> Speaking of really raunchy superheroes jeremy geckner you wanted to talk about the boys season two uh give it to me here um i don't know if anybody else has seen it yet so um or if they're planning to um so i'll try to avoid spoilers um the boys like i remember the comic book and i remember just being so like wow this is extreme um even in the world of comic books and I couldn't believe that first season on Amazon that they went as far as they did with the graphicness of that story. Um, Carl Urban was absolutely perfect. Everything was absolutely perfect for, for that first season. So I was very psyched for the second season. Um, they really delivered. They really did. They, they brought it um, even more this year. I didn't think you could up the ante of that, but the set pieces were amazing. All I'll say is the whale in episode three. That's all you need to know if you haven't seen it yet. Um, but uh, also uh, Anthony, I think Anthony Starr is his name, who plays uh, Homelander. This guy is a force to be reckoned with in this part. I mean, like, it's not even just that the powers and the the unpredictability of that character and just how dangerous he is. But he, Anthony is able to play up the psychologically damaged parts of this person so well that you, <laughs> for some reason, this person who's doing the most terrible things you can possibly think of is also sympathetic in your mind. You actually feel sorry for this guy, even though he's by far the villain of this. So I just thought this season was fantastic. They brought as much as they needed to there, um, you know, and, and I'm very anxious to see where they go with season three. This show is awesome, awesome, awesome. Highly recommend. You know, what's funny about this show is there's so many times in the first and second season where, and I'm a prude when it comes to some of this stuff and Jeremy knows that, uh, but like, it's like too much for me. I'm like, I like my superheroes to be super, uh, but there's always something that draws me back in. And uh, that's certainly happened both times, both seasons of this show. And I'm just excited to see uh, where they go from here and what else they're going to be coming up with. Um, Mitch, you have done kind of a deep dive on all the CBS Star Trek shows. So talk to me about Lower Decks. And then have you watched any of Discovery this year? I uh, honestly, Lower Decks is the only uh, CBS Trek show that I've kept up with. Uh, I'm still about midway through last season of Discovery, and I've been trying to hack at that. Uh, Picard, I watched the first episode like, guys, I'm bad at watching TV. Um, (laughs) But Lower Decks is a lot of fun. Uh, It's an animated series, so they're able to do things that you can't do in a live action series like the chief medical officer on Lower Decks is a cat. Um, and it's just, it's it's so fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously. And there are a lot of Star Trek Easter eggs and references. Um, yeah, it's, it's a comedy. It's a cartoon, but still has Star Trek at its core and its heart. And that's phenomenal. That's awesome. Very cool. I can't wait to check it out. Um, I dropped CBS All Access. Uh, I use it as my garbage TV of the summer when Big Brother comes on, and that's when I subscribe to All Access. Um, If you want to feel better about your life, 
watch Big Brother. It'll make you feel so much better about your <laughs> stability uh, and about your personality. Uh, so definitely check that out. And then I'll also check out Lower Decks this summer when I do that for sure. Um, I think we can probably start to go into more of that rapid fire succession here as well. I know a couple of you had seen Hollywood. I wanted to start off with uh, Megan on Hollywood. And then Geckner, if you want to comment on it as well, you can. So I love Ryan Murphy. I know that a lot of his TV is trash, but I will at least try anything that Ryan Murphy puts out. And I thought that Hollywood was incredible. I thought it was gorgeous. First of all, it's beautifully shot. It goes a little fictitious in the storyline that it's trying to tell. Um, Just a little. (laughs) Yeah, but it's very entertaining. And it, it brings to light, like, a lot of the, like, abuse that goes on, especially in, like, the golden age of Hollywood. So... I think it was very interesting um, and it's definitely worth a watch and it's not long. It's like eight episodes. So, yeah, actually, so. I actually think it belongs in the geek year review because we are talking about an alternate timeline here of uh, Hollywood <laughs> events. And you're right. Ryan Murphy. I don't know. I really love his stuff. I really do. Um, and yes, he always makes things look great. We just, uh, we just did an interview. We haven't released yet with uh, the guy who wrote uh, the script for the prom of uh, which Ryan Murphy directed and uh, yeah, he said the very first day he got to set, Ryan like looked at him. He was just like, "Doesn't everything look amazing?" Like you know, so he's very good with the aesthetics. But yeah, I loved this one because not just the great performances and the glitz and stuff that that Ryan Murphy always brings to it, but it's really a great fable about um, the responsibility that Hollywood and art plays in the national conversation. Because really, what this show is positing is if Hollywood would have been more forward thinking and more brave to push people of color to push you know, homosexuals and that and everything to the forefront when they had the power to back in like the 1940s and such, we could have probably gotten a lot further than we have as a society in those realms than we are today. And, you know, but because there were all these closeted people, because the African-Americans weren't given those chances in Hollywood at that time, you know, you could make the argument that that, you know, people, what they see on their screens, the movie screens, their TV screens, makes that big impact on them. Art is able to affect the the heart and the human condition more than anything else. So I love that it was taking responsibility, you know, like we could have done better. So let's start to do better now. So I really appreciated that about that show. Yeah, no, I, I um, I'm going to drop a bomb here. I'm going to say something very controversial to both of you, and then I'm going to run away from it because that's what I like to do, uh, sure. particularly in our group thread for the podcast. Um, I can't stand Jim Parsons in this series. That's all I'm going to say about it, and I'm going to run away from that comment. Uh, okay. I know that people love him as well. So um, lots to talk about here, but I think what we can do is kind of go in and, and start talking about our favorite TV again of the year. And I want to start that off because none of you probably have Apple TV, but you need to get it for one month and one month only so you can experience the beauty that is Ted Lasso. This is a, this is a silly Jason Sudeikis show that I didn't think I was going to have any um, reason to want to watch. It's about a guy who uh, is an NCAA football coach. He gets uh, hired to be a Premier League uh, soccer coach or football coach in um, England. And like nothing about that should be awesome to me. But Ted Lasso talks about ideas of like psychology and Sudeikis' character is just so incredible. It's absolutely the best thing I saw this year. Uh, I've already watched the series twice. Um, it's only eight or ten episodes long. They're 20 minutes long. I cannot 
if I'm going to recommend anything, this podcast, it will be that all of you go and check out Ted Lasso because it is so worth it. And I think Apple TV is like five bucks a month. Well worth $5 for one month. Check out that. Check out the morning show because that's kind of their big show that they have on. Um, but Ted Lasso is something else. It's so great. So I'm going to go ahead and go around the horn and we'll talk about some favorite TV that we watched this year. Bailey, you got anything you want to bring up as a favorite show? I've been in a loop, so I hope this is the right uh, time that it was released. But I I jumped really hard into Cobra Kai, and uh, it was awesome. Oh, yeah, man. This Season 2 was this year. It, um, again, I'm probably like a year behind everybody else, but uh, I and I feel so dumb because Mitch and I'm sure that Craig and and we were all at Wizard World and we all had the chance to see these premieres. And I was like, yeah, we'll do something else. And you know, we had other things in our mind. And this thing was just a sleeper. I don't know if they sold it. I, I don't know if it got larger as they sold it to Netflix, but even from a technical standpoint, how the episodes do not stop, all the writing is just every single thing you want to see and then cliffhanger. And uh, that was my favorite um, my favorite series. And I hope that's of the right year because, again, I'm in a loop. I'm sorry. Well, no, I think that you're – I think a lot of people are experiencing it for the first time. I have <laughs> yet because um it was on youtube like red or whatever their premium content is and then it was sold to netflix and the the season three is going to be released on new year's day so by the time this show comes out people will be watching that but i need to catch up on that because i have not seen a single episode and i think it's because it was on like a weird streamer much like ted lasso like the problem with all these segmented streamers is that you can't really catch it all right i don't want to pay for 20 bucks a month or whatever for youtube like that doesn't sound like a fun thing to do right so um but yeah uh mitch go ahead and tell me what your favorite film or favorite tv show of the year was uh i'm actually going to play uh one of your cards craig and mention something that's not geeky at all uh my favorite of the year was actually shameless uh it was a show that i started to binge uh at the beginning of the year and it was i kept going through uh during quarantine, I got caught up. Uh, it's definitely not a show that I typically watch. And I feel like that was why I became so addicted to it because it was just like, this is so far removed, but at the same time, such compelling storylines, such compelling characters. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's amazing. And even though like I've only seen the first episode of this season. So again, Hey, I'm not caught up, but uh, it's just, it's fantastic. That's awesome. Echo um, that. Yeah, Bailey? Just, I'm always intrigued. And Mitch, this is me asking a person that I respect instead of trolling someone. But what is the appeal of Shameless? <laughs> I think part of it for me, it, it was why I kind of started to get into it. Uh, I'm a sucker for things set in cities that I'm familiar with, and it's set in Chicago. So, like, I'd you know be watching an episode, and, and some of the filming takes place on location. So, like, they you know, like I'd see something that I've seen in real life, and I'm like, oh, hey, cool. Uh, but also, like, it's just kind of like one of those things where it was like I wanted to see what all the hype was about. Uh, I've seen a lot of people talk about it over the years, and you know, I don't have Showtime or anything, and so like I would. Uh, you know, see it on Netflix and it just kind of be like, eh, maybe I'll get to it. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's like kind of like what I said. It's just, it's so strange because it's something that I'm not, that I don't normally watch that just really appealed to me. Have you ever experienced those types of people in your family before? 
Uh, not to that extreme, but I know, I know people like them again, not nearly as ridiculous. I mean, or as characterized. Sure. I'm, I'm just asking because, um, I think that there are people like that in my family that are very close to me. So I kind of feel like it's glorifying a certain lifestyle. And, um, so I just wanted to ask someone that I, like I said, I genuinely care about you as a person instead of saying that this kind of upsets me or this, I, I don't know how it's appealing because for me it's terrifying. So sorry for interjecting my own uh, feelings to it, but location, beautiful. Absolutely. But when a guy, cause I've only seen a handful of episodes and the man gets hammered a lot and he has kids that he gets paid from the government for having, but he doesn't take care of them. So definitely um, very, very interesting that people are so excited to watch this when there's a really, really hard line of reality in there. So I'm just going to, I'm going to let that simmer. <laughs> Yeah. To, to play devil's advocate quickly, and I know that we're short on time, but Breaking Bad is about a meth dealer, and it was extremely popular. Oh, no, I, I take issue with that as well because I've got family that are just, they could have been extras. So that's just, I'd love to enjoy the drama. I'd love to enjoy it, but it's just like when you see that stuff a lot, it's kind of scary. So yeah. I'm not, not trying to be rude or, or not say that you can't like what other people make. And there are a lot of people that like it. And some people that it's like McDonald's for your soul. You just want to, you just want to watch it and, and just not think. So I don't want uh, people to think that I'm like, I'm better than anybody or that I'm telling you can't watch something. It just art affects us all in a different way. And that just gives me the heebie jeebies. Speaking of art affecting us in a different way, you in particular, Jeremy Bailey need to watch Ted Lasso. That's my final comment on that. Uh, <laughs> I will do my hey. best. I have Apple TV because I bought another phone. Oh, you have it? Dude, then yes, watch it tonight. You'll finish it in a night. I promise. Yeah. Okay. There's art to make, though. <laughs> there is art to make. You're right. Megan, what was your favorite TV of the year? Um, I have a couple, so I'm going to go really quickly. Okay. I'm a really big fan of a 30-minute show that you can binge in a day. And there was such a wide variety of that released this year and not just comedies, which don't get me wrong. I'm a huge sitcom girl. I love sitcoms, but I just was really appreciative of the like short shows. I don't feel like every show needs to be 40 minutes long. Mm -hmm. So in order from light to dark, I will say I really enjoyed Julie and the Phantoms. If you've got littles, it's a lot of fun. The music is really, really great. I really liked Love Life with Anna Kendrick. It's on HBO Max. It's hilarious and also surprisingly poignant. I really liked um, High Fidelity, which isn't coming back and I'm very sad about. And they twisted it and it's a woman. Rob is a woman instead of a man. Super good. Zoe Kravitz is amazing in it. Really love the uh, record store employees, too. They also put a twist on them. And then the last one I watched, which I just finished, and it's gorgeous, but oh my God, so haunting, was Normal People. And it's on Hulu. Wow. Nice. I, I haven't seen any of those. So you just gave me <laughs> awesome. a ton of yeah. material to go back to. Jacqueline, what's your uh, favorite TV of the year? I have to keep going with the geek, and I have to say the final seasons of season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I... I'm obsessed with it. It was one of our, like, 100% we have to do an episode on for our podcast. And we waited until it came out so that we could do it. And I am in love with it. The final season was so weird. And time and time has no meaning. <laughs> 
And I just, I loved it. And I will probably have to start watching it all from the beginning again because I miss my people. (laughs) (laughs) Except for Grant Ward. He can just stay dead for the rest of the Oh my God, please. Because he never dies. That was a blind spot for me. I never really jumped on uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but now I can go back and experience it all at once, So, uh, which is a wonderful thing. Another show that ended this year... early in the year that I absolutely love another remarkable show is the good place. And that kind of went out um, and such a great show. So that's another one to go check out. Geckner, did I let you go yet? I can't remember. Not yet. So um, I will just say, um, I meant to have you close us out, Jeremy, because I knew (laughs) that you would have something so insightful to say. I shall try. Um, Two Netflix shows that came out late in the year that really uh, blew me away. One, The Queen's Gambit. Um, If you haven't seen it yet, um, I don't know how they made a a series about chess that insanely intense, but they did. And uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is amazing in it. It's one of the best things about chess I've ever seen in my life. Um, And it's just wildly entertaining. The other one, um, again, I'm the horror film fiend, but uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix. Um, I loved Hill House so much. I didn't think they could get better. I don't think it was better, but the way that that series unfolded um, was just so meticulous and so fantastic. The acting was so amazing. That second to last episode, that whole one with Kate Siegel is just so insane um, and in the way that it's narrated. And that ending, like five to ten minutes with Cheryl Crow's I, I Shall Believe, is one of the most poignant things I've ever seen on a TV show or a movie. So those two series stuck out to me. Um, And then really quickly, two documentary series were really great this year. Um, And uh, the one that I just saw that was great on HBO was called Murder on Middle Beach, um, which is only four parts, but it's all about this guy uh, who went to film school trying to solve his mother's murder from uh, many years back. And it's a true story. Um, and it is absolutely fantastic. And, of course, if you haven't seen it yet, The Last Dance, man. It was oh, the good. phenomenon of, of the early pandemic. And for a good reason. Even if you don't like basketball, you know Michael Jordan and the Bulls. And it's a fascinating look at the, at those teams. Um, ESPN knocked it out of the park with that one. I thought for sure you were going to say Tiger King. But we have to mention that. Haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Oh, Very proud that I haven't seen it. Oh, <laughs> at this point, just don't. Uh, don't. Don't go back and do that to yourself. We have come to a point where we are done talking about movies. We are done talking about TV. We are going a little bit long, and this is exactly what I did to Mitch last year. But you know why I love The Geek Awakens? Because they review comics. So if you want a real deep dive on comics that came out this year, listen to my buddy's show. But right now, he's going to tell you in as quickly as possible what (laughs) comics you should be reading from 2020 because this man has kept up on all of it, pandemic or not comic book stores being closed or not. Mitch has found a way to continue to read these comics and bring this information to us. So I give the floor to Mr. Ladd. Uh, one of the good things about the pandemic and uh, not being able to buy new comics between comic book stores being closed and publishers putting halt on things, I got to cut down on my reading list just slightly i still have way more that i need to read than any normal person should but all that said uh an honorable mention for me this year i haven't read this one yet but there's been a lot of hype with it uh slaughterhouse five uh it's one of my favorite books and i've heard fantastic reviews from this adaptation 
some favorites of mine of things that I have read. Obviously, I'm wearing a Nightwing hat. Um, so Nightwing was one of my favorites because for the last couple of years, there's been this whole storyline where Dick Grayson lost his memory and he's become Rick Grayson. And I haven't hated that storyline, even though it has gone on a little long. But Dick gets his memories back. He's Dick Grayson. He's Nightwing again. And so it made my ear. Um, another one is called Receiving Transmissions. This is a one-shot. It's a self-published book by cartoonist Steens. Um, I interviewed her during C2E2 and picked this up afterwards. It tells a story of a woman who is going through a lot and starts getting anonymous letters reminding her that everything's going to be okay and, you know, like things like that. And reading this in 2020, everybody needs to read this in 2020. Uh, Commanders in Crisis is a story about U.S. presidents from alternate Earths who come together to the last Earth standing uh, and they form a superhero team. What? Sounds kind of weird, but and it's a lot of fun. What's that? Why didn't you tell me about this book earlier, Mitch? I thought we were friends. Uh, you know, we reviewed it a few times on the show. Okay, fair, fair. Got now fired. you're calling me out for not listening <laughs> to every episode. I see what Got you're fired. doing. That was good. That was good, Mitch. All right. But, um, but yeah, but all the all these superheroes, they have unique power sets. Uh, it's it's so much fun. Uh, no heroin. It's a story about a woman who does the right thing for the wrong reasons. Uh, the writer, his name is Frank Gogol. We've talked to him a few times over the years. Well, uh, he keeps referring to this as kind of like his love letter to Buffy, the vampire slayer, because she fights drug dealing vampires. And again, it's as weird and as out there and as, as fun as you think. Uh, other favorites this year that I won't really talk about, but just some that I've personally enjoyed and <coughs> others on the show. Uh, Heavy, uh, Seven Days, Empire, uh, Superman uh, Smashes the Clan, and Wind. <laughs> talk to me about Superman Smashes the Clan. Yeah, I need to know awesome. more about this title. <laughs> so this was, it was a three-issue um, series, and I believe it's a- a- adapted from a radio play from like the 40s or something like that. But anyway, uh, this Japanese family uh, moves into like a better part of Metropolis and it kind of makes the clan angry and Superman ends up fighting the clan and it's a great story. It's so well told. It has a wonderful message as does basically any Superman story does, but yeah, it was great. That's awesome. And I'm going to have to definitely check out a lot of those comics and continue to listen to The Geek Awakens to uh, hear <laughs> all about those comics that Greg should but, be listening to, watch, or reading uh, and listening to that podcast for sure. But as we talk about podcasts, you know, we are a bunch of local podcasters. And I always like to mention at least some other podcasts that you should go out there and check out. And in case you want to listen to something else, and some of these people don't need our help in promoting them by any means, but what are some of your favorite shows or podcasts? that you've listened to if you have any for this upcoming year for this this year and i'll say that i kind of fell backwards into this show a little bit i heard it from like another podcast and that is kind of the best way to uh latch on to something and that's dead eyes and if you guys haven't heard this this is a it's in season two right now the premise is that this guy was hired to be an extra in the hbo miniseries mm-hmm. band of brothers and then when he got to set, Tom Hanks fired him. 
And the reason given to his agent was Tom Hanks thinks you have dead eyes. And this really made the guy question whether or not he should go into acting. And it like really affected his life. And he's since become an improv comic. Um, he's been in a ton of movie, uh, movies and television shows that you've seen. You've seen this guy in bit parts before and you never knew it was him, that kind of an actor. And it's just so great for him to like take this mental block that he had from this event and boil it down into a podcast series that we can all consume. And of course, the uh, end goal and what we're all wishing as fans is that he gets to sit down with Tom Hanks. That hasn't happened yet, but hopefully sometime in the future, he will be able to do that. He's had a lot of friends on from uh, many famous comics uh, and he's worked with over the years, but I would strongly suggest that you check out Dead Eyes. It's really worth your time. I'd also say... The podcast that Bailey mentioned last time uh, we did this was Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. And it's a show that I've listened to considerably more this year because of Bailey's advice. And it's so great uh, for talking about and exploring those ideas of mental health, particularly with people within the geek community and the celebrities that you have heard about. Uh, Stephen Amell has been on the show several times. Uh, Kevin Smith, Jay Muse have been on the show. Um, and they recently had Nathan Fillion on the show. And so it's so great to be able to listen to them talk about some of their personal baggage and issues that they have, because it helps you kind of talk about that or deal with that. It's almost like therapy for your ears. So I definitely would suggest those two podcasts, Dead Eyes and Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Bailey, you got any others uh, that you wanted to throw out there this year? Uh, listening to, uh, Michael Rosenbaum got me into Dak Shepard's podcast and, uh, I think he owns the year with pot with podcasting. Cause he's had everybody on his show from Bill Gates to Bon Jovi. I don't know how that's possible, but, uh, it's really inspiring. And then another one, um, is, uh, a band called store of the year from St. Louis. I'm a huge fan. Uh, they were very popular, um, kind of in the MTV bubble, John Feldman, and then they broke off and did their own thing. And, um, it's awesome to know that we can fund their art via Patreon and we can fund their live streams and we can not only feed our own, um, insecurities and our own needs for their art, but we can also make sure that they still have livelihood. And uh, it's called Page Avenue Crew. Um, it's just, it's awesome to know that again, I mean, these, they're artists and I mean, everybody's in the same boat that's in that art world of how do we make our content more accessible? How do we make our content, uh, or our art more available? How do we create more art in this, uh, vacuum? And, uh, I've really enjoyed both of those two. Um, really crazy, really fast. Uh, Dak Shepard actually admitted the fact that he'd relapsed on his show. And as far as mental health, as far as sobriety, I mean, I would like to, well, I, I guess without me projecting too much of my own insecurities, my own uh, mental walk, I think this year was more taxing than any other year on people's sobriety. And when and Dax has a show and the platform is, I'm an idiot. I'm an armchair expert. Like I have no idea what's going on. I want to learn from you. I've gone through some crazy roads and I'm 13 years sober. I've did all these crazy drugs, but now I have a beautiful family and a house and XYZ. Well, he relapsed and he could have been, um, he, he could have been so scared that he just went in a, in a hole and didn't come out and just spun out completely. But instead he was overly, um, uh, honest when he came to, so not only tell his family, but to get ahead of the story and saying, Hey, 
Like I lost uh, in in a split second, I lost everything, and now I'm rebuilding at day one. And um, I don't know. I that we had the through line last year of mental health, and I think that sobriety is a part of mental health and uh, being able to control, um, you know, being able to control the demons instead of letting them control you. So that's just been extremely inspiring. So those are my my two short long answers. Thank you. Uh, no, I think that that's wonderful. And, you know, those podcasts, like they can really affect you and, and thinking about, um, I mean, like, again, going back to inside of you, uh, Stephen Amell, when he was on the show the first time, uh, actually has a panic attack while he is in the interview. And it's really powerful to like, these people that we prop up as little heroes that um, to be able to hear them share their story, it is so impactful to others listening for sure. Mitch, have you done any listening? Uh, maybe have you listened to beyond the mouse a lot this year? Because I know uh, you might've called me out for geek awakens, but oh God. I wanted to know if you've listened to our interview with Bob Gurr. Chat, or, this is a beautiful uh, umbrella of creativity. Mm-hmm. rocks. <laughs> Things are so awkward right now. I feel really bad about what I did earlier. (laughs) (laughs) No. But no, uh, a couple of podcasts that I've really enjoyed this year. Um, uh, First one, it's called uh, Your New Best Friends. And um, it's it's basically, it's like these two people who they talk about, you know, like things that are going on in their lives. And then they also get... uh, like listeners who will, you know, like write in and ask, you know, ask for advice. And so they give their sometimes good, oftentimes bad advice. And it's just, it's, it's funny. Uh, and it really like, as somebody who like in a group of friends, I'm usually like the listener and I like to, you know, listen to other people's stories. It does, it kind of feels like I'm just hanging out with these two people and listening to them talk about their lives. Uh, another one that I've enjoyed, uh, Justin Log has a, really good podcast and he's like where he talks with other celebrities and talks about their lives and things like that uh that was one that i listened to in the early part of 2020 and kind of forgot about it but uh but yeah that's really good too yeah that's awesome uh megan any thoughts on other podcasts people could check out Sure. Um, anytime I'm asked to give a podcast recommendation, I always recommend it's a defunct podcast now, but it's Odd Man Out. And it's actually what inspired Jacqueline and I's show. Um, it's very, very good. I love it. It's three friends and it's two against one pretty much of making the person watch something that they like. <laughs> they do like a whole spectrum of things from like Anastasia to Marvel to the Miyazaki movies. It's and everything in between. So it's including food. Fun. Yes, including food. Nice. Um, another one that I discovered this year, which is super brown nosery, but it's Are You Afraid of the Podcast? Which is Jeremy and Sarah's podcast. I love it. I actually, it was one of my what I like this week, one, one week on our show. Um, I'm a huge Are You Afraid of the Dark fan, so I was like super excited to find that one. And they're so funny. You guys are so funny together. I love Sarah's it. Sarah's funny. I, I just, you know, react to her. But uh, no, thank you. That's really sweet. We'll have to have you on for an episode. Yeah, that would be super fun. Um, and then another one, kind of along the same lines of Jeremy and Sarah, is called Nightmare on Film Street. And it's a husband and wife team, and they do horror movies, and they usually put, like, two up against each other. So those are my recommendations. That's awesome. Awesome. Gechner, you, what's your recommendations? 
Uh, yeah, I'll call out um, our friends at After the Hype. They rebranded themselves this year as Behind the Hype, um, completely switched their focus from, uh, you know, reacting to movies that have come out in theaters because, you know, there are none anymore um, to like kind of the behind the scenes stories of famous films and famous directors. And it's really, really cool, the stories that they tell. But um, also our friends at the Astonishing Legends podcast uh, launched a new kind of narrative horror real life thing called the midnight library which is really really fun it's like those kind of like true crime um and supernatural stories that you all know like haunted places haunted stories and stuff but it's kind of told in a narrative form through the guise of like this creepy library that people come to so um it's really really good so those are the two that uh, i've been really listening to this year nice jacqueline round us out um, well, I'm also going to be super brown nosery because I really, really like Beyond the Mouse. Um, <laughs> Megan got me into podcasts this year, so I'm trying to catch up and pick different things. But Disney will always be my one and only love forever and ever. Um, so I really like your guys' podcast. I also really like The Office Ladies. Um, I love watching The Office. And um, all I can think of is Angela and Pam. And I don't remember their real names because... Yeah, but um, they have an awesome <laughs> podcast. It's really funny. Um, I like that they go through episodes and just tell us like fun things behind the scenes and that kind of stuff about it. Um, and there's also one that I just recently started listening to, but I really like it. And it's called That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast. And it's about episodes and stuff of Law & Order SVU, which I really, really love. Um, so it's just kind of fun to hear other people gush and like say the ridiculous things that I do when I'm watching it to the TV. <laughs> so it's just, it's a lot of fun for sure. That is awesome. And of course, like the whole purpose of us coming together like this is so that we can uh, support each other and definitely go check out all the podcasting that's going on locally. You know, there's a couple of others that um, uh, on the reg uh, is a Reggie Guyton puts out a podcast. Uh, it, he's had a, several episodes throughout the year. So that's something to check out. Um, certainly there's been others that have been out there and I would definitely suggest that you go and check out those local podcasts as well, uh, because I I think it's great to listen to those people locally and like be able to reach out to them and talk to them. And it's really great. Uh, and like I said, you guys coming on board with, I think you're going to like this. It's, it's cool to have another, um, podcast to go to and listen to in our feeds that is local and, uh, be able to support that as we move forward for sure. So we've now come to the time where we are going to start to wrap this thing up because uh, it's been a heck of a year in 2020, but we get to look forward to 2021. And I will say, you know, I think um, my final question to everybody, and I didn't throw this out to you, uh, but people have been doing this online this week, and I really like this idea and concept. So I'm going to give it to you now to start thinking about. But what is something that you have accomplished this year or something that you can take pride in this year that has happened? in 2020. That's what I'm going to leave you with uh, for your last question. But before we get there, I want to talk about what's exciting you about 2021. And maybe I have a bunch of uh, options here that we've talked about beforehand, but maybe just taking one story or idea in geekdom that you're really excited about moving forward and just talk about that. So I'll start with Mitch. What are you excited for and looking forward to in 2021? Um. Well, what I'm most excited for, I think, is just the Disney Plus Marvel shows that we're going to get this year. Uh, I'm super pumped. Uh, I, I am ready for Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, to kind of do a 180 just real quick, um, 
one thing that I'm definitely not looking forward to. And I don't know if this is going to be a, you know, a, a hot, a hot topic or anything, but I'm not looking forward to the Snyder cut. Oh man, you and me both brother. Like talk about, uh, and not to get on my soapbox here because I think Jeremy Bailey, you make a valid point that this is made for the fans, but talk about toxic fandom run amok. Uh, where, you know, the Snyder Cut didn't exist, obviously, because they're putting $70 million into reshoots uh, reshoots to go back and actually create this thing, whole cloth. And like they, you know, like you put out as a studio your film, and that is the film you should go forward with. Um, it wasn't great. I get it. But like, it, it just me revisionist history in these things can get really kind of out of hand. And if we can go back and change everything we didn't like about a film, to me, that takes away the value of the film. Oh, that's a George Lucas. Well, that, I don't agree with that either. Like, I don't like that. We can't see the original star Wars. I've got VHSs. I've got them. <laughs> Many time I, I have them. Awesome. Awesome. That's good to know. That's good to know. But, uh, but no, I agree with you, Mitch. Um, something that I'm not really that pumped about moving forward, but Megan, uh, what's your thoughts? What are you looking forward to in 2021? Uh, I'm also really looking forward to the Marvel shows. I'm really looking forward, especially to WandaVision, which I've been looking forward to since they announced Disney plus coming. I'm a huge Scarlet witch fan, especially MCU like Elizabeth Olsen, Scarlet witch. So really excited for that. And I'm also really excited for the HBO Max and Warner Brothers deal. I think that is really exciting. Um, I know that Christopher Nolan is obviously pissed off about it, but I'm excited about it because I miss getting able, like being able to go see those like new releases. So the fact that like they're giving us the opportunity to see them, even though we can't go to the theaters is like huge. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And being like, still having a small child, uh, I'm going to have so much more access. And like, this is not, um, this is not uh, ideal for creators, right? Obviously. But the fact that we get all of these movies, like I've already been able to see a lot of the best picture nominees coming out of this year. That's not normally the case because we live here in central Illinois where you don't get those films. So the fact that a lot of these have gone to streamers, I'm going to be able to see a lot of things that I haven't been able to um, see yet. And that's through that HBO max deal. So it's something I'm definitely going to hold on to that service for the whole year. They got me. Uh, and you know, hopefully we can return to the movie theaters, you know, vaccines are going out right now. So, uh, hopefully 2021 is looking up for all of us to go back to the theaters and have that communal experience. But for the moment, I think the idea of being able to sit in my house and watch some of these films is really appealing to me. And I'm glad that we're able to move forward with that. Jacqueline, what are you looking forward to in 2021? Again, all the Disney things, all the Marvel things. I'm especially excited for Hawkeye. Um, I love Haley Seinfeld a lot. I'm very like intrigued and interested to see how that whole thing is going to come apart. Um, I also am excited for Loki. I don't know if it's coming next year or the year after. I can't remember. It's actually um, in May. It's coming up okay. very soon. Yeah. So it's even sooner than I thought. Um, super excited about that. I will say that I know it's not coming like super, super soon, but I'm a little bit terrified for the Lilo and Stitch business that they're trying to do because I don't know. You, It's just really hard to make Stitch look real. Like, I, it's just weird, and I don't think I'm going to like it, but I'll try it, and it's just weird. 
just, you know, I, I, I totally get you there. And it really depends on what they're going to, how they're going to end up doing that. And uh, it could be very much a Sonic the Hedgehog kind of moment, especially when they reveal Stitch for the first time. So we'll have to see where that goes from there. And I have to learn how to draw so that I can tell them, no, you're doing it wrong. This is how you have to do it. In Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to go next um, because I might steal a little bit of Bailey's thunder here. I don't know if I am or not, but um, you all have mentioned Marvel so much. And, you know, it seems like we're shilling for Disney again, but Disney is doing so many amazing things. And they have this huge investor day show where they just dropped it all for us. But I'm excited to have um, the ability to see Star Wars that isn't so connected and again no spoilers here for a lot of things but um it's it's not so connected to that same like royal family of star wars to the skywalkers to be able to see little things and little missions and little outposts and other stories going on in that universe it's really making me a star wars fan even more than i was before to be able to experience those things and to see this universe building before us because with dave filoni i see very much the Kevin Feige from Marvel. And um, but if they just give it to John Favreau, Dave Filoni, tell him to run with it. I think this universe could be something extremely special. And it seems like it's really starting to come together on Disney plus. Uh, and I'm excited for that in 2021. Bailey, we'll let you go next. What are you excited for in 2021? I'm going to give that corny answer. The feature is now and the pandemic is Napster. Um, I don't, think that we're going to go back. I mean, don't get me wrong. People will have, you, you will have the ability to go watch a movie in a theater, but I paid 35 bucks to watch Bill and Ted at home. And I have no problem paying 35 bucks to watch a movie first day release. I don't do it all the time. I, I get diaper money. I don't have walk around money. Let's be honest. But if I want to see the movie, I don't want somebody kicking my chair. I want to wear my pajamas. I want to get up to go to the bathroom. I want to eat whatever I want when I'm sitting there and I'm not going to pay $45 for one ticket to watch a junk screen when I could work for 12 hours and dedicate X amount of money to a 4K TV because you can buy one at Walmart for like 300 bucks. Um, it's just, it's risk, reward, return on investment. It's just not worth it for me right now. Um, I'm excited about where we are. I'm excited about the future because all these properties were announced and half of us were in our PJs. Um, we're just watching it and it's awesome. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we cut all of our teeth. Most of us cut our teeth in that convention atmosphere where you're just, there's an, an electricity in the room and there's a buzz and you're sitting in this panel and you're the first person to see it. But they also did Comic-Con at home this year. Yeah. And it, it can be done. But I'm very excited about the future. I feel again that Napster is happening right now with the movie industry. And I mean, you can track the sales. So if people want to watch, they're going to, they're going to watch it and people will pay for it. And you can still have the theater. It's just a completely different experience. And there has never been a time where you could enjoy so much content and there's so much more on the forefront. And I, I don't want to beat a dead horse with the Mandalorian, but that changed the landscape of how things were filmed because that was shot in something that is the size of a Walmart. <laughs> I mean, they did the entire series inside a building in a soundstage is the size of a Walmart. If you can do that and create that universe and have beautiful effects, the sky really is the limit. So yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Completely agree with you there. Geckner, what are you looking forward to in 2021? 
Yeah, I mean, if you guys know me, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm looking forward to one thing, which is, uh, you know, we this was 2020 was the first year since 2007 that Marvel did not release anything um, <laughs> for the MCU. Um, and the, the mere fact that they're compensating that next year with 10, 10 properties in 2021. Um, and if you don't know, Black Widow, Falcon, the Warrior Soldier, Eternals, Shang-Chi, and the Legend of the Chen Rings, WandaVision, Loki, What If, Hawkeye, Spider-Man 3, and Ms. Marvel are all coming next year from the MCU. And I'm so excited to see with these Disney Plus shows they're really going to be able now to run the MCU like a comic book almost, you know, they, like I think Disney plus gives them so many infinite number of titles that they can now adapt so easily and connect in so easily. Now that everything is under the same roof. Um, the fact that they're bringing Charlie Cox back for Spider-Man three um, seems to show me that they have interest that, you know, besides the fan interest right. that like Marvel has interest in bringing daredevil luke cage jessica jones into the mcu proper um even though it's been tangentially um you know connected so far so um of those you know i mean it's hard not to be excited about spider-man 3 (laughs) with all the news that we keep getting there looking like a live action spider-verse it's looking like it's going to be absolutely nuts and the fact that that wandavision and doctor strange and the multiverse of madness are all a trilogy a multiverse trilogy within the mcu um yes please but Honestly, the the trailer that got me the most amped um, was "What If." I'm very excited for this series. Yeah. the The animation looks like a like a combo of like a Scanner Darkly and like anime, and it's like really really interesting to me. And the fact that they got all these voice actors back to to voice their parts, and some of those stories are just going to be really great. I don't know if any of you have read the "What If" comics, but some of those are just really really fun. Um, and I think that's probably going to be the last thing from Chadwick Boseman that we ever hear. Um, that we the last performance that we ever get from Chadwick Boseman, um, you know, chronologically anyway. So um, I'm really excited for that one in the summer of next year. But all the Marvel properties just have me so jazzed. It's going to be Marvel Overload 2021, and I am here for it. So here for it. So here for it. So uh, we are going to start to wrap up the show. We're going to let you all plug your shows. But before we do, I mentioned that I was going to throw a curveball at you, and I was going to say you have to say something that you are proud that you accomplished or took pride in in 2020. And so I want to go around the horn and get that. And I'm going to start with our ladies. I'm going to go to Megan first. You're on the hot seat. What are you? What did you accomplish in 2020 that you're proud of? Um, I have two, and they're both sentimental. Um, the first one is obviously Jacqueline and I started our podcast, so it was very exciting. And the other is that um, I got pregnant, so I will be having my first child in March of oh, 2020. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. We'll be taking a little bit of a break in March. Yes. <laughs> but. Record now and get them in the can. That's yeah. our plan. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. Jacqueline, what's your, uh, what are your accomplishments for 2020? Well, mine is same. I mean, obviously I'm not pregnant, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, our podcast, um, I'm just really, really happy with it. We get really good downloads and everything. And once we hit our year mark in March, we will be over a hundred episodes and I wanted to get to 100 before we took a break, and we've planned it, and we think I think we're going to get there. Um, so I'm really, really, really happy about that. I found something that I like to do and that is more than just a hobby, um, but instead of sitting and watching TV or reading a book or whatever, I could sit and talk at people, which I'm really, really good at. <laughs> but I also get 
to do all those other things too, because that's kind of what it's about. So absolutely. So that's plug your show, about. tell people where to go find it. Well, our show, okay. <laughs> like you're still talking. Um, our show is, I think you're going to like this. Um, really the best place to go is to our Facebook page. I think you're going to like this podcast and it has all the links you can watch. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We have a website. Um, if you Google, I think you're going to like this podcast. It'll show up in random places. Um, we also have an Instagram and a group that everybody can join and talk to us mm-hmm. because we like talking to people. So, That's And awesome. we're trying to decide what we want to do for season two. So come vote in our poll. Yeah. Awesome. Will do. Will do. That's great. And so it was so nice to have you two uh, join us this year and join us our, our listening. You're in our ears uh, so much with your podcast. So thank you so much for your efforts. And uh, it's just been so great to have you on and involved in this podcast this year. And let's keep this going uh, and continue it from here on out. So Mitch, you're representing the Geek Awakens. I want your, what is it that you accomplished this year that you're really proud of? And then you also need to plug your show and tell people where to find it. So um, in the beginning of the pandemic, I decided that I was going to learn guitar, and I took exactly one guitar lesson. Uh, <laughs> all you need, man. It's all you need. <laughs> but uh, but no, it's seriously uh, something that I am proud of. Uh, I mean, I, I we joke about how like unprofessional our podcast is, and you know whatever, and we do. It it, it is very much like like. W- it is what it is. But that said, I am proud of the work that we do with it. And, you know, being able to at least go to C2E2 and be able to talk to some people. And uh, when we first came back from our hiatus, we, you know, tried to reach out to, you know, some local artists, but also like some other artists that we may have connected to, you know, just in our convention circuit and just being able to still be able to put out content when everything is weird and messed up is something that I'm really happy about. Absolutely. Where can people find the Geek Awakens? So we are on um, pretty much anything that you can find podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, uh, Google. We're on Amazon. Um, We're on Facebook and Instagram as the Geek Awakens podcast. That is too long for Twitter. So we're just at Geek Awakens on Twitter. Um, but I also am, I know how to use Twitter. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like geriatric, but I, I don't tweet. I, you know, so like I'll tweet when we have a new episode, but you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's so much to try to keep up on all of it. Right. But yeah. I love how you're like, I know how to use Twitter. Like, like we're, we're going to take away your authority to be able to use it obviously anyone can use Twitter. We found that out. So um, for sure. But thank you so much uh, for continuing to put out such great content. Geek Awakens is so great. Uh, Go back and I will listen to all those episodes where you talked about commanders (laughs) in crisis. uh, I promise. But, you know, I love it because you're kind of the punching bag of your show too, which is why I kind of like to keep that going uh, while you're here with us. So thanks for being a part of this again this year. That means so much to me that, you know, that I'm the punching bag here too. I love it. Uh, but no, but seriously, thanks for inviting me. Uh, it's, it's always a lot of fun and it's something I've been looking forward to for how many years have we been doing this now? This, uh, we skipped a year. We skipped yeah. 2017, but this is our sixth time doing it together. 
Yeah. So pretty incredible stuff. Um, and one of the people that started that at the year, you invited uh, Scott and I to come talk geek stuff at the neat, right? Network way back in the day. Was I got the photo. It came up in my feed. Oh man, really? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's so cool to be able to like to have those experiences. So Jeremy, talk to me about something you're uh, proud you accomplished this year and then also make sure you plug Lincoln's legends for us. Well, uh, sorry to be sentimental, but this is what I'm really proud of because we're here, uh, we're healthy, and we haven't lost our minds. Uh, we haven't lost our minds to kids. We haven't lost our minds to any type of uh, rabbit hole addiction that people might have, whether it's eating too many nachos or uh, you know doing other things. I'm not going to say what else, but um, I'm really proud of the connections that um, I continue to get to be a part of. Um, I've worked really, really hard to create the best version of myself because I don't, um, there are days where I just do things absolutely wrong. <laughs> I say the wrong things. Uh, <laughs> Craig knows more than anybody because we've had, uh, some beautiful personal conversations of that's a great idea, but not that way. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm really excited and proud of the fact that, um, I guess the, the easiest way to boil it down to is I created an avatar that I'm proud of and now I have to live up to that. Yeah. So I can't be a turd, uh, and I can't, um, uh, I, I can't, uh, overthink things too much and, uh, you know, just kind of getting, uh, away from my own uh, devices. Um, I'm, I'm super pumped about the episodes and, and the people that have let me in. Um, I mean, there's just, it's, it's beautiful how uh, vulnerable people are uh, when you kind of just put it all out there. I'm like, hey, life's a mess. Just trying to figure it out. Probably, probably much like everybody else. Um, I also am a producer on another podcast, uh, which is brand new to me. Um, it's called All Punked Up. And uh, allpunkedup.com is the website. And it's really awesome because um, there are a handful handful of people that knew I did radio before podcasting. And then I walked away from radio because I wanted full creative freedom. And when you do that, um, I, I guess if it would have been a larger platform, this was like right when Twitter opened, you know, I could have been like Twitter verified and it could have had all this crazy, um, opportunities. And I found myself having to create my own opportunities. And that was one of the reasons why I left. Well, this year, uh, a really close friend of mine, uh, his name is Tyler Winters. Uh, he asked me if I wanted to produce his podcast at allpunkedup.com. And uh, it's bonkers because all this music is essentially a love letter to what was um, uh, MTV VJs, what was absolutepunk.net. Um, it's just like, we got to talk to Kevin Lyman from Warp Tour, which the guy made it. And I mean, in what world am I supposed to be talking to him? Um, the lead singer of Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Um, there's just these people. It's like, whoa, like these industry people that take the time, uh, to talk to you. And it's, it's really cool because I, I always like to live in the retrospect of what uh, is happening as opposed to what did happen. And, you know, I always pine to be like, you know, something, somewhat of importance. I was like, man, I really want to do something. And then I found out, wow, I'm not that interesting. So I'll ask other people. And it's just, it's bonkers to know that I can still entertain and enjoy this passion of pop punk music and um, actually be 
have credibility in that, that realm, just because I, I lived through that entire thing and, and, and I can still enjoy the nostalgia, kind of like you and your brother do with the, uh, with the TV shows. So, uh, and, and the other property. So it's awesome. But yeah. Um, but yeah, just thanks for having me on. I mean, you know, yeah, you, know we, and you know, I, I think if, um, if we, any of us have a Dickensian Christmas Carol, like if I am Ebenezer Scrooge in my later years, you are going to appear to me as the ghost of Christmas present because you are always making sure that I am grounded in not living in the past, not looking too far in the future, but really, really asserting yourself and living in the present. And I always really appreciate that about you. And I appreciate all of the work you do to help promote other people. And you helped us get our start. Oh, one more, uh, one more. Um, Andrew Bartlett just uh, got back to inside of the box. So I will plug that one too. Nice. So that is a new one that was not brought up and he's doing great work. He does. He just does great video. So there you go. One more. Awesome. Sorry. Awesome. We'll do. We'll do. Uh, Jer, it's time for us to talk front row and I'm going to let you go first. Something you're proud you accomplished in 2020. Uh, I brought a life into the world. I did Jack. I, I don't <laughs> care for a life that was brought into the world by my amazing wife in April. Um, but um so, yeah, I mean, in a year like this, that's all that, I mean, like, you know, I have a beautiful, healthy, uh, God, almost eight month old baby boy now, um, that's here that is amazing. And, uh, you know, a year like this makes you love that stuff even more. Um, and, uh, having a baby in a pandemic does kind of suck, but, um, at the end of it, you still get to see him and hold him and, and care for him. So, um, but with the front row, I mean, just everything, I mean, we've, we've expanded, we've, I've already said it at the beginning, just the sheer number of shows that we have now. Um, and you know, if you want to find us, um, we're full on, on the NPR site now, uh, nprillinois.org slash program slash front dash road dash network. Um, and of course, all the places online, Facebook, YouTube, the Firmware Network, Twitter, at Firmware Reviews with a Z. But the great thing about the network is that we've got so many shows that, you know, if you only like one or two shows, you can go just to those specific feeds. Um, everybody has their own feed now. Um, so if you want the smattering of everything we do, you've got that main front row net- network feed, but <laughs> there's everything you can go to beyond the mouse. You can go to, are you afraid of the podcast? You can go to, um, convince me guilty pleasures, classics, all these things, um, that are out there that can just entertain you. Um, so I'm just really, really proud that, you know, the podcast did kind of keep us sane this year. You know, we, we just kept going and, uh, I'm, I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, and all the amazing work that everybody does that I get to take credit for. So yeah, that's my favorite. Nice. Nice. And I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback on that with, uh, some of the things I'm uh, proud I accomplished this year. And, you know, the, um, I found for sure during this pandemic that I am an extrovert and I need other people. I need these <laughs> Zoom conversations. I need to talk to people. And that, I, that's why I'm so grateful that I had the podcast. Um, but also another thing, I, I kind of refound my passion for running. So um, I've logged uh, slightly over a thousand miles this year right. uh, and I've lost about 60 pounds. Um, and, you know, it, it's one of those things I've never felt healthier in my life. Uh, and, I am excited now. I um, am starting to train. It won't be probably until 2022, but I'm starting to train for my first marathon and I'm excited for that uh, prospect and that moving forward. So that's uh, something personally that I'm pretty um, jazzed that was able to happen this year. But then, uh, you know, to, to talk about our show for a second, you know, it, we, I, I had the chance in 2017 to interview Brenda Chapman and Kevin Lima, and they're both great Disney directors, animators. Um, and, 
I got a win off a whim. I just decided, you know, I said like they, they had told me that they would talk to us again. So I decided to email Kevin Lima and he came on the show and talked about a goofy movie in Tarzan. And he gave the advice that, you know, you just got to ask people for it. Sometimes you just got to go for it. And that's what we've been doing on beyond the mouse. And we've had uh, 15 or 16 different guests. Now uh, we've interviewed four Disney legends uh, and it's just incredible. And I mentioned at the top that, uh, our soul review just came out. Not only did we interview Floyd Norman this year, but he came back like he was willing to come back as a guest co-host uh, on our show to talk about someone else's work, you know, and it's just like, that's incredible stuff. Um, and something that I will not forget uh, anytime soon and continue to move forward and hopefully continue to bring that content. But also, you know, I think we can all kind of admit this a bit that we do the podcasting for ourselves too, you know, and uh, to be able to have that, as we're moving forward, don't pay attention to those download numbers, but just be able to uh, really check things out uh, as we go forward and, and be able to have that time for ourselves uh, as we move on. So this has just been an amazing Geek Year interview. It's so incredible uh, to be able to talk to all of you. Please go check out all these shows. Go support all these shows because we're doing the we're doing the Lord's work for you here in Central Illinois as we are bringing all of these different podcasts for you. So I'm going to end the show for everybody. Thank you so so much. Go out and check out the Geek Awakens. They are fantastic. They will talk to you all about the geeky things in your life that you need and you didn't know you need, like a comic book series that you didn't know about until just now. Uh, and then you also have. I think you're going to like this. Go check out these ladies. They have been putting out content. So crazy, the amount of content that you've been putting out and so many fun conversations that you're having. And you love Disney too, so you're a podcast uh, after my own heart for sure. Got to go check out Lincoln's Legends. Got to go check out uh, everything that Bailey does and just everything that the, the type of creativity that you have, sir, you never give yourself enough credit for that. And you are, you bring it every single year for us. And I'm so glad that Lincoln's Legends is back in my feed this year. And then of course, check us out at the Front Row Network because uh, we, we have more shows than I can count right now. And even if you don't like us to be podcasting, we're going to continue doing it. So, uh, out the Front Row Network, whether you like it or not, uh, you will probably run into one of our podcasts. So thank you all so much. Here's looking forward to a great 2021 and have a great day, night, weekend, whenever you're listening to this. And we'll see you back at this table again at the end of 2021 to give you the full recap of the Geek Year in Review. Thanks, everybody.